late, buddy? Yeah, sure, kid. There you go. And your wallet. Nick, give him your wallet. What for? He's got a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. squares and uh, squareites. Welcome to another <laughs> Square Waves FM podcast. Today is episode number ooh, 43. Oh. Plus one on meaning of life. Oh, <laughs> yes. Last that's right. week was episode 42. We're officially meaningless. Yep. And today we're discussing stories and narratives. I'm your uh, host, Bianca, and with me is my charming <laughs> co-host, Co- <laughs> Brian. I've been taken down a peg. Beep. Beep. And our lovely guests today are uh, Franny, or should I say Francisco, and no, uh, his uh, lovely partner, Jess. Say hi to nice people. Hi, nice people. We just completely didn't hear that introduction because the internet farted and I heard. Blah, 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 blah. So. <laughs> no, that's what we said. <laughs> we'll assume it was a lovely introduction and our cue to speak. So. Oh, <laughs> yes. Hi. That it was. We yeah no we, we don't have anything nice to say about you guys. We just kind of vomited into a bucket, and that was your intro. So oh, you're, no. you're I actually speed. was quite nice considering what I, considering the intro I gave for trolls and the other guy. Yeah, she was quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> the other guy, poor yeah, Darth. Poor Darth. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was collateral damage. Yeah, I guess so. He got. He got coated in the barf spray of your introduction. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <sighs> Keeping it classy as always. Okay, well, we're very, very happy to have you guys along with the show. Thanks a lot for uh, joining us again. Well, we're happy to be here. That's yeah, great. Thanks so much. And welcome, Jess. <laughs> so, uh, the way we do this thing is we talk about a little bit of stuff. Then we just, uh, I've got uh, a letter to read from uh, one of our dear listeners, Mr. Father Beast. And then we will talk about uh, what we played lately and then on to our topic. With, with many a tangent and meandering off-topic. Meandering. That's right. Um, you have the most exciting new acquisition here. How about you uh, tell the tale of uh, how this uh, glittering douchebird <laughs> came to pass? Uh, our tale begins on a sorrowful Thursday. Or was it a Friday? Hang on. Did you just call it a glittering douchebird? <laughs> like, yes, maybe, you did. Maybe. <laughs> it's glittering and douchey, that's for sure. She's got the keyboard bling. Yeah. So it was a Thursday morning. <laughs> I had just re- I had just awoken from a deep slumber and decided that a caffeinated beverage was in order. Hang on, let me get my pillow. Okay. All right, all right, continue. I uh, wandered on over the kitchen and placed my kettle on the stove, bring it to a boil, and poured my water into a cup with my ball of green tea. Whoa, whoa slow down. <laughs> you put your water in a cup? Okay, 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 just verifying. Please continue. <laughs> I brought my tea over to like the desk and placed it down. <laughs> After making myself breakfast, eating, and having one sip, I decided that this was a perfect time to finish my tea. Unfortunately... My hand-eye coordination was a mite bit off, and <laughs> I knocked the entire mug 
aside from one sip of tea over my old keyboard. Oh, aside from one sip, that's lucky. Yep. A Logitech G710. I killed it. The lights on the WASD keys went out, as well as my directional arrow keys, um, which resulted in me having to turn the keyboard upside down to try and drain it out. Um, as I turned it over, I realized that I had spilled tea, not only on the keyboard, but underneath and over my mouse pad. So I had to dry off my mouse, my mouse pad, and my keyboard. Brought the keyboard to the bathroom, looked at it, realized that there, I don't, I didn't think it was going to drain properly, popped all the keys off, put it into the tub, watched a ton of birdseed fall out of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> had the keys in another bowl with a bit of soap and water, and used the hair dryer to dry off my mouse pad. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I left my keyboard in the tub, I resorted to using the on-screen keyboard built into Windows 10. Oh, <laughs> brutal. When I got home, when I got home later after my workout, I uh, proceeded to then take a screwdriver to the back of my keyboard, unscrew the rear end in order to, you know, hopefully dry it up better. Mm-hmm. In the process, I killed my volume control button, my mute button, and I believe my uh, the zero key button on the number pad on my old keyboard. Mm-hmm. Spent the entire Friday going. Why can't why did my zero key? Oh, that's why it doesn't work. I broke it. Although you did fix the backlight. Yes, I got backlight fixed. That's, Huzzah! Still is a roller coaster, isn't it? Yeah. So at a terrible expense. <laughs> so then today we wandered over to our local computer store, the better one. We won't go into which one's a pile of crap and which one. <laughs> NCIX, it sucks. Yes, we are blessed <laughs> and, to live right within walking distance of two computer stores. This is like heaven and for us. one overpriced piece of shit chain store. <laughs> That's right. Nice to have the option anyway. Yep. anyway. So we uh, went to Canada Computers. Hooray, Hooray. great store. <laughs> and looked around at some computers. I contemplated the thermal tech, a thermal take, but then I caught sight of this glorious, glorious. as so MK1 RBG. Uh-huh. And, uh... Un- it's, like, somewhere over the rainbow, I'm it's, telling it's you. It's this beautiful <laughs> rainbow technicolored keyboard. It's pristine. I love it. And although, and uh, it's mechanical like my old one, but it doesn't have the cherry brown key switches. We got the uh, blue key switches. So it sounds more like... Type sound- a little on it. I think... Let's hear... To me, it sounds exactly like getting a haircut. Yeah, that's what I was about to tell the lovely people, the lovely listeners. Yeah, it does actually. <laughs> so this is what I get to sit next to for well for the next two and a half months until she feeds tea to her next keyboard, right? Who says it's going to be two and a half months? Besides, the other one lasted me almost two years. You are like so you are the dread demon Glarbox, the keyboard slayer. I swear, this is yeah, like her tenth keyboard. Yeah, and you're and you're Lord Slobbenheimer, massacre of hard drives. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and together so, we are jerks. So you're basically hanging out in a neon hair salon for however long this keyboard. Yeah, really. I live in, like, one yeah. of those barbershops uh, turning stripey signs now, essentially. <laughs> I can't wait to see this thing at night. And there's functional keys that let me change my lighting scheme, and I've cycled through all of them. And the first thing Brian does when I plug this keyboard in, it says to me, oh, unplug it. I want to record this. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I kind of 
got all excited in the moment here. I will stick this uh, ridiculous video in the show notes of, uh, well, you know, you know that meme of uh, the cartoon of He-Man and he's singing what's going on? Oh, yeah, sure. So that's her keyboard. <laughs> oh, okay. That's, that's our house now. I'm sure as soon as the light is, is dark enough in our apartment, that's going to be our house. So oh, I'm, yes. I'll start uh, warming up my falsetto. <laughs> I've had I've had bad experiences with keyboards, but I find I don't think it's possible to save a keyboard once you've spilled liquid on it. I saved my keyboard, that old keyboard at least. I saved it once, and I cleaned it be- twice before I successfully pulled both my keyboard and Brian's apart. Uh, at least the keys off to clean them, and it got and I got both them working. So yeah, these keyboards like you're supposed to be able to put keyboards like in the dishwasher or something. What? Clean them. Like. No, you don't. All I did was <laughs> I just plucked the keys off since it's easy with mechanical and not the membrane based ones. You pluck <laughs> the keys off, just throw them in some soap and water, and then uh, I used Q-tips and uh, just a dab of water in the end of Q-tip just to run it between to give it a clean. And they were both keyboards were like new. Yeah, your, oh. your keyboard hygiene is pretty much better than my bodily hygiene. <laughs> I admire that very much. I've gotten liquid on two keyboards, and it caused them both to be possessed by the devil because I would press, like, the D key, and the CD drive would open up. And, like, it, yeah, it was, it's been pretty bad, my both experiences. I've that, had to just give up and buy new ones. That's pretty nifty. Yeah, it is, except when you're trying to type something, and then, you know, your CD drive opens, and you press... One letter and like five appear on screen that aren't the one you pressed, and <laughs> that's a that's not dissimilar to the situation with the elevators at my place of business. I work at a college, and uh, there it's a it's like a small kind of a footprint of our building, but it's ten floors tall, so everybody relies on the elevators. And what the students like to do is like stand up on their tippy toes and turn the like up or down indicators above each elevator door. So like it, a light turns on and instead of it saying that it's going up, they've turned it like 45 degrees. So that it looks like it's pointing down. And there are always people who mean to go up that are going down. Uh, don't you mean 90 degrees? Well, they're, it's actually like, like, I don't know. I, you, you know what I mean? They turn it some degrees so that it looks like the up arrow is actually pointing down. Oh, so 180 And varsity versity. Sure. They're triangular indicators. So, you only have to turn it a third of a turn. Anyway, a sixth of a turn, I guess. Anyway. Quarter of a turn. I'll give you a quarter of a turn. <laughs> so is that is that the story of your... Oh, yeah, so your keyboard has, like, all these settings where it has, like, these concentric circles of color from the inside out. Or it has a neat thing where you, like, touch a button and then it stays glowing for a moment before turning off again. So if you type words real fast, then you have these, like, awesome LSD trailers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This is a, this is quite the keyboard. Well, I guess the best thing of all was that it was seventy dollars off today. Oh yeah! Wow. So that actually it was five dollars more than the not psychedelic edition. So I mean, what are you going to do? Of course you're going to. Wait, buy was it. that because of Black Friday? I guess so. It's like why off- do you have Black Friday if you celebrate Thanksgiving in October? Because uh, Canadian businesses want to sell products and not have Canadians buy their products from the USA. Not that we would right now because the Canadian dollar is in the shitter. So which makes us actually ideal for cross-border shopping to be the least on the receiving end of cross-border shopping. That's right. Well, it has to be like more than 30% off or something if we're going to buy something in U.S. dollars right now because our dollar is crap right now. Yep. So there you go. And I blame Stephen Harper for that. Well, I wonder speak- how long until we import that Chinese shopping holiday singles day. What? Did you hear about that? It was no. recently 
Singles Day in China, which is like just I don't know a holiday that they invented to celebrate being single. Oh, I heard celebrate about that. By buying stuff. Why and they do like, have skewed like Alibaba sold like like three billion dollars worth of merchandise. Yeah, like, it's their biggest shopping day of the year. That's right. Right, like way me. bigger than Black Friday or any other retail holiday. Chinese Singles Day. Wow. Of course, they want to celebrate it so then they can get those. They can now force the kids to have more kids. <laughs> Uh, if you think about it, they already have a skewed birth rate, so Singles Day makes perfect sense. So if you were single and, you know, lonely and bored, you could buy yourself a super discount rainbow keyboard to, to, to I don't know, go and write your dating profile. <laughs> as long as you don't get your kid to do it. Yeah, you know, is that why you bought this rainbow keyboard, to, buy, to write your dating profile? <laughs> no, to take Fess my mind off the fact that my mother made me write her dating profile. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Bianca had to... I had to write a dating profile for her divorced mom. And my dad made me uh, proofread his and see if I could suggest improvements. <laughs> Wasn't your dad an English teacher? Yes. That's how to traumatize your child. Volume one. Have you been tracking the progress of you know these profiles you've created? Are they successful? I just pretend they don't exist. <laughs> I, I try to pretend they don't exist, but there's that little tra- traumatized voice that likes to kick in and meet me and go, oh, remember this event? No! <laughs> you wake up with your eyeballs twitching in the middle of the night, as you remember. Yeah, that's a that's 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 an interesting, unique experience. I'm glad my parents are together <laughs> for this very reason. <laughs> well, I think that was very kind of you. That was a very nice service. That was kind of you, as a matter of fact. That's rather True. above and beyond. I didn't have to do the uh, the uh, worst part of my mother's dating profile, which was taking the pictures and sitting through wardrobe changes. That went to my I, cousin. I was just going to ask if you helped, like, do a little photo shoot for the the perfect, like, <laughs> oh. you know, you research like what kind of photo, what kind of lighting, like poses, like. Oh yeah! Did you have? Did you have to like scientifically perfect one? And you have to put on that like nineteen eighties butt rock for the montage. Well, now you have the keyboard, so you can use the keyboard to illuminate pictures. So that'll add to the mystique of the photos. You know, now that I think about it, this kind of very well describes our keyboard shopping experience. Right before breakfast today, she would like hold up a keyboard, and I would like shake my head, and then she would hold up another keyboard, and I'd cross my arms and kind of look at her all squinty, and then she held up the last keyboard, and I'm like, uh huh, nodding yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that's pretty uh, that's pretty true actually <laughs> an 80s keyboard training montage the most 80s keyboard you could buy that's right. then she runs out of Canada computers with a keyboard box in both of her hands and she lifts it up triumphantly on top of her head like yeah <laughs> now I'm ready for some typer shark <laughs> Typing of the dead. Now you know, like '90s hacker movie montage. It's just like frantic, like shots in dark rooms lit only by the screen and the keyboard, just like frantically typing with the reflection in your uh, glasses. Oh, that's right. You have like rainbow swirly things in your contact lenses now, and I do the close up. Man, I I want to shoot a movie now. This 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 keyboard's the best thing that's ever happened to us, man. What a glorious day we have lived. Include a cameo for Mavis Beacon (laughs) one. Can she be the villain? Yeah. <laughs> I don't appreciate this. I don't approve of this typing <laughs> device. Mavis Beacon teaches restraint. The, <laughs> did I ever tell you about the parody Mavis Beacon game that I want that I want to make with Ben? No, do tell. Oh gosh, this is gonna be good. <laughs> it's called Mavis Beer Can Teaches Typing. <laughs> and she's drunk. 
<laughs> so you have to decipher what she's typing from her drunken slur. <laughs> That's pretty much all there is. <laughs> Do it. Actually, oh, the best typing sweet. game that I have to recommend. It's, it's, it's a serious recommendation. It's, it's not ridiculous. It's actually a really oh, good no. game. We fell off of Skype. Oh, no. Oh, wait. We're back. Hello, hello? Skype. We got gotcha. you. Nope. We're not back. Oh. Uh, hello? I can hear you hello, still. Here. We hear you. Oh, okay. Still got us. It gave us an error. Anyway, what were you <laughs> saying, Jess? I was going to recommend the typing game um, Icarus Proudbottom Teaches Typing. Icarus Proud Bottom. Yes. It's, like it's, the... it's actually a sequel to an original. Um, I don't remember the title of the game, but the first Icarus Proud Bottom game was about the guy who could fly by farting or something. <laughs> hence his name. But yeah. for the follow-up game, they did a typing game, uh, which is really very nice. It's like the the, the Greek tale of the little boy who uh, sat too close to the sun and his wax butt melted. <laughs> Icarus wanted Something to fly, like that. and he flew too close to the sun, which caused to... his wings to melt, which is the which resulted in the sin of hubris. Well, thanks, Encyclopedia Brown. Well, I'd be able to give more details, but somebody, one of my dad's friends, has my two uh, mythology encyclopedias. Okay, and so... And I need to get them back from Perry. So we'll put the podcast on hiatus until you no. bone, boned up on your, your mythology? Did the book just chew the one the friggin' rungs? Sorry, I got distracted. Whoa. <laughs> I just looked over and realized that they broke that these idiot birds of mine broke one of their ladders. Holy crap! They like chewed through solid wood to destroy a ladder. That is very impressive. Sorry. Uh, these are the trials and tribulations of living in a parrot house. So uh, at least we don't have destroyed shoes or socks that you would get with a dog. Yeah, this is true. Or various antiques knocked onto a floor by a smug little furlong. Uh, furball bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel the love. Oh yeah, so much love. So anyway, we uh, we uh, did make a brief mention of Black Friday, which of course brings up the fact that it is the Steam. horrific Steam <laughs> sale. <laughs> you sucked all the enthusiasm out of the room. <laughs> all I can say was Steam. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys bought anything in the Steam sale? No. No. <laughs> Who has time to buy and play games? Oh. Uh, I don't think I have. I, I finally reached the point where just about everything I was going to buy, I already had. I, I, I like. I appreciate that GOG especially tells you because I tried to buy the same game like three or four times mm-hmm. over on GOG sales. But so no, me I, too. I just I have so many. And the the list of like games I have to play next, like immediately next, is like twenty games long. So I don't know what to do. Are you sufficiently organized that you keep a list of what you want to play next immediately? Um, I don't know. I, well, my I have a bit of a backlog. I mean, everybody well, has everybody has a bit of a backlog. But I mean, I haven't made a dent in it for a long time because a few months ago I decided I was going to play. Dragon Age, mm. which I had not ever gotten to, even though I really wanted to. So, oh, which one? The latest one or the first one? Well, all of them. So <laughs> I started with Origins, and I just like a couple weeks ago finished Inquisition, and I played all the expansions and add-ons and everything. And so that's that's been like all that I've played for months, practically. That's a real commitment. That's going to fill up your dance card for a while. My, my past, like, you know, four... 500 hours of uh, game time has all gone to Dragon Age. Oh, wow. Well, was, was the time well spent? 
it was. I enjoyed it very much. Um, I was a little bit thrown off at first because I had played Mass Effect. And I was like, all right, time to play Dragon Age. It'll be like Mass Effect with swords. That's um, what I assumed. Is it not so? Not not really. I, I wasn't really prepared for like classic RPG. Of, like, got in, I'm like, oh, this is more like 3D Baldur's Gate. Actually was inspired by, but I was expecting more action-y and, and less like, you know, inventory management RPG stuff. Um but then once I was like, okay, I guess this is what it is, then I, I got into it. Yeah, that's right. It is more of like the old school CRPG style, isn't it? With like top-down party-based combat rather than like the behind-the-shoulder the Mass Effect-y kind of action combat. Yeah, and it was, it was all like, um, you know, here's all of your spells and, you know, here's all of your equipment and get a new sword. And, yeah, it was was, you know, nothing like the, like, you know, it's like run, duck and cover, like shooter gameplay, Mass Effect. Hmm. But I mean, I, I play like on easy and just get through the combat. I'm, I'm there for the story and all that stuff. So, um, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> and they're for the lore. Like, re- oh boy, lore! <laughs> Every codex entry. You know? Oh boy, codex entries. <laughs> <laughs> well, but in in, in, uh, in Dragon Age, though, like, if you get to the third game and you don't, like, understand the politics of the world, you have no idea what's going on. So mm. in, in that series, it actually really pays off. Mm. It's all about, like, which one of these factions do you, like, particularly align with and, like, why? Because of the historical struggles they've faced to date. <laughs> if you don't know any answers for that, you just be all like, I like elves. <laughs> That's probably how I would play. <laughs> it's like they say, the real game doesn't start till you're 174 hours in. Yeah. <laughs> Who has the time? Hearing things like that just makes me shudder. Well, I mean, if you're invested in well, it. Well, I didn't a... buy anything in the Steam sale, how but I did. How many hours of Assassin's Creed have you played? Well, it's funny you say that because I just bought Assassin's Creed Syndicate from Best Buy because it was on sale for uh, Black Friday. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I it's probably F4. cheaper on Steam than Best Buy. Yeah, but I can't run it on my PC because my PC's crap. I bought it for PS4. Mm. So, All right. Have you uh, dug into that yet, or did you just pick it up? No, I just I just ordered it uh, like yesterday, so it hasn't <clears throat> hasn't even shipped yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, but no, I don't have any instant gratification purchases for games in the Steam sale. However, uh, there's several games that are on sale. If I can go into salesman mode. And, uh, yes, yes, please buy do. Buy my game. Buy my game. Buy my game. Sure, if you can sit through that what? horrible airplane she sequence. Oh, she went there. <laughs> Wait, what? What did you say? I said, sure, if you don't mind sitting through that one horrible airplane uh, mini game. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. I'm Actually, <laughs> I'm going to be doing a post-mortem of a Golden Wake at Adventure X in two weeks. And then, don't worry, I'll, I'll talk about how that was not a good puzzle. Oh, that's awesome. I really hope that they record that again. I really enjoyed your, probably uh, will. your talk last year. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. But, yeah, they probably will. But, no, I know. I, just be glad that it didn't end up being the original version, Bianca, because that was even worse than what it ended up becoming. Oh, gosh, what was the original idea? Uh, did you ever play Space Quest 1? Neither of us have. No. Nope. Okay. Oh, wait, well, I played the VGA one, actually, so maybe I'll remember. Okay, so remember the skimmer sequence where you had to just kind of go left and right and avoid rocks? Yes. 
Yeah, it was going to be like that, except avoiding potholes, and you just have to wait till the plane showed up. Oh, that is so old school Sierra. I'm glad you didn't yeah, go that way. It would have been crap. So, but anyway, I mean, I, yeah, I, I could have, it could have afforded a little bit more, uh, a generous window of, you know, time to let you move the car and stuff around, but whatever. At least you had unlimited tries and didn't make you, like, restore your game or something like that. Yeah, True. I guess. And it was an achievement attached to it because I would have been really irritated. Oh, that's <laughs> – you can string yeah, it along that's... with anything if you give her the achievement. Yeah. <laughs> How did your sales pitch end, in, end up with you? Oh, right. Oh, apologizing. I, <laughs> 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 I, I have that affect the people. I guess people. I'm just not a very good salesman. By my anyway. game, I'm sorry. Yeah, sir, yeah, yeah, he's not a very good uh, Alfie, is he? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not a good Alfie. <laughs> Well, please anyway, proceed, yeah. sir. Go buy a golden weight. It's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than that. It's a very good game. I guess you should seller's intuition now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My I, seller's intuition tells me that you fine listeners of this podcast should buy a golden weight. <laughs> I most sincerely don't listen agree. To Bianca. It's a great puzzle. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's all I got. Oh, well, good stuff. Yes, we, we do definitely agree. De- totally buy a Golden Wake. I had a really good time with that game. If we so if, I, yeah, if I ignore that puzzle, then yes, I had a good time. I had a good time with it. I really like the story. You don't seem to ignore that puzzle. No, I don't. <laughs> but you got all the way through it. Yes, I finished it. My favorite part was um, watching her play the first 10 minutes. And uh, sorry, my, minor spoiler, I suppose, but it's only the first 10 minutes. It was great watching her play the first 10 minutes. She's like, what the hell? I got fired. I'm restarting. <laughs> so she restarted and played the whole thing all over again. She's like, oh. oh. <laughs> so oh, I got God, the point and laugh. <laughs> yeah, and then you probably got to sleep in the couch with no sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, pardon me for getting sick. Anyway, thank you for revealing these wonderful intimate moments of behind the microphone at the Square Waves <laughs> FM podcast. I'm going to go shrink and die. <laughs> okay, you do that, and I'll take over. <laughs> Sorry, host. <laughs> so while um, we, so while you were going to uh, talk about what you uh, blew some money on, although I wouldn't say I wouldn't. you just? I meant you. Oh, me? <laughs> Hi. Yeah, I'm in this podcast, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I resisted buying anything on the Steam sale for several days. Uh, like Jess, I kind of looked around a little bit at the store and figured I already owned everything I was pretty well interested in. Um, I did buy a game called Dying Light, which I played for about an hour, and then I got a refund on it. It's like a, it's like a halfway between like um, Mirror's Edge and I don't know, like Minecraft or something. It's like one of those uh, run around and craft stuff to survive kind of survival games, and that really doesn't interest me very much. I did enjoy the character movement, but I knew that I wasn't going to get too far into it really, so I just got the refund. Um, so did you think it was not one of those kinds of games when you got it, or was there something else that drew you to it despite it being that kind of game? I took a quick look at a couple of videos of it, and I saw what looked to be quite uh, enjoyable, smooth navigation around an open world. It reminded me a little bit of uh, Assassin's Creed, just in the way that you move around, but it's first person. So that seemed kind of engaging, and the fact that you have to like tap and hold down buttons rather than in Assassin's Creed where you just kind of hold forward and you sort of do all the uh, actions of scrambling and stuff just by just by tilting your, your joystick in one direction. So I enjoyed that level of control and engagement. I find that rewarding. But when I saw how heavily 
the game relies on foraging and crafting. I knew that that just wasn't really going to do it for me, so I returned it. Mm -hmm. But it was a very beautiful game, a terrific game engine. It ran very smoothly, nice effects and everything, and a very attractive kind of post-apocalyptic uh, setting. So it was nice to look at, but I, I knew I wasn't going to get much out of it. Uh, what I did end up buying was a very silly game by uh, Yassi Croshaw of uh, Zero Punctuation. His game is called Hatfall, Hatter's Gonna Hat. It's very silly. Where you play like one of the, it's a yellow background and you play this like uh, black lined uh, stick man, just like, it looks exactly like his uh, zero punctuation uh, show, his uh, uh, reviews. Um, and you have to stand under a shadow until a hat falls on your head. And that's about the whole game. And so, and then um, there'll be more characters that look a lot like you and they'll kind of run around and scramble. So you can't really tell who you are. And that's the challenge. You have to identify who you are and stand underneath the shadow until the hat falls on your head. And uh, sometimes there'll be three shadows and some will fall faster than others. And uh, if you stand under the wrong shadow, then a television lands on you and squishes you or something. Signpost. Yeah, or a signpost kind of shish kebabs you. It's really cute. It's kind of snarky, and it's a silly little gimmick, uh, kind of a one-note game, but uh, it's really cute. And I love zero punctuation reviews, so even if I don't yeah. play the game much, I'll, I'll uh, give the guy a few bucks. Likewise. Yeah, I, I played like Yahtzee's old like EGS Adventures, uh, which I enjoyed very much. I didn't know he was still making games. Yeah, I didn't know he was still making games either. Seven Days a Stranger or something like that? Were those them? Uh, yeah. yeah, five days of stranger, seven days of skeptic, and six days of sacrifice. That's right. these notes. I, I haven't played any of them. Are they worthwhile? Oh, uh, they're, yeah. Yeah, they're excellent. Really good. Um, you know, very, very moody and atmospheric. Like kind of great horror movie with just like these lo-fi like. We should talk ages. about them when we get to our topic. <laughs> yeah. we, we should, but um, <laughs> but yeah, they're just like they're very nicely written and like very well together yeah? There's, I enjoyed them a lot. yeah it, it's an interesting series as a whole i think it really comes into its notes in trilby's notes um did i just I say I played, did it really comes into its notes you did oh. <laughs> i meant it really comes into its own <laughs> with trilby's notes. I don't think I played notes oh that's the best one I that's like the best one the, oh okay no that well so the first two like the first one is I think it was just meant to be a standalone. And then he did the second one, which was Seven Days, which was kind of the, more of the same, but it was interesting the way that it sort of paralleled the first one. And then Trilby's Notes, he kind of made up this whole backstory to kind of tie the two together. And then the last one saw, resolved everything. So it kind of um, it felt like this big epic story that really only came to be in the second half of the series. But... Hmm. It works, you know. He retconned a few things, but it was—I I thought it was pretty good. A pretty good effort. Hmm. I had him kind of typecast. I assumed his games would be all like snarky and silly. So it's interesting to hear that he's kind of taking it uh, straight. His games would be what silly? Yeah, I thought what? they would be silly, like in his usual kind of snarky, dismissive kind of attitude. Well, he did make a few silly games. He actually made one of the first AGS games, which was uh, there was three of them called Rob Blank better days of a defender of the universe or something like that huh. and it was that was actually one of the first ags games i played and he started reality on the norm which was like this community uh sitcom type thing which is where i got my start and dave gilbert got his start and a whole bunch of ags people got their start wow so 
yeah, the AGS community really owes a lot to Yahtzee, even though he kind of infamously left the community in a huff, and like everyone was like, that Yahtzee guy's an arrogant jerk. I don't know what happened because I joined like right after he had left, but hmm. yeah, it was sort of a sort of an urban legend for a while. Well, it's impressive that he goes back that far. He's quite a talented guy. Yeah, yeah, no, he's been around for a while. If I'm not mistaken, I think he's written a novel as well. Oh. Yeah, I think so. Um, can't remember the name of it right now, but... Yeah, me too. I'll uh, see if I can dig it up and I'll put it in the show notes. I tried to go to his mana bar when I was in uh, Brisbane a few years back, but never made it. Oh, he like a like an alcohol-serving bar? Yeah, yeah, they opened up an alcohol-serving bar called the Mana Bar, and they had nerd drinks. They had a shot called the Purple Tentacle. Oh, man, that's cool. But I think they closed. Oh, ran out of mana. Badly. Too bad. Yeah. That's a great name anyway. That's a good theme. Yeah. <laughs> not, not good enough, I guess. Nope. <laughs> well, what else did I, did not I buy? nerds in Brisbane, I guess. I guess not. <laughs> They're kind of, there, there's a... Like a vacuous concentration of that uh, force in uh, Dudlikin, I guess. <laughs> Sucking out all the nerdly energy for the entire continent. Well, but, there's plenty of nerds in Perth and Melbourne as well. Okay. <laughs> um, I also bought... I bought City Skylines, which... Oh, I've heard that's good. I've heard it's good, too. I've... I love the original SimCity when I played it uh, in the 80s in, like, CGA... And I haven't really put a lot of time into any of the other kinds of games like that since. So we'll see whether I hang on to it. Bianca's played a bunch of it, and she, it's, yep. uh, it's uh, doing it for her, but I don't know if it's doing it for me. So we'll you mean see. you've never played SimCity 2000? Uh, that was the only one I kind of skipped. I played, oh, man. I played three and four. SimCity Deluxe? Societies. Um, I don't know what Deluxe is. I haven't played the latest EA one, actually. Mm. But I played a whole bunch of them. Uh, not 2000. No, 2000 was great. So I hear. Was it... Um, it's actually the only SimCity I've ever played. I think it was... Was it Joe Mastriani who uh, mentioned recently that that was the one he got really hooked on? I think he might have mentioned that in his last podcast. But uh, oh, I, I hear it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's an addicting game. Oh, excuse me. Ooh, if I'm not mistaken, game. I think that's also the SimCity that had tie-ins to related games. Like they had Streets of SimCity, which was a, a car, like an open-world car oh, yeah. driving and racing game. And you could actually explore the, the cities you created in SimCity 2000. How oh, yeah, I have SimCity 4. You do, yeah. So I played that one, too. Mm -hmm. And I played that one the least, I think, just because the complexity was getting up there. Yeah. I just like watching Godzilla stomp around in Sim the original <laughs> SimCity, and I don't think you can do that in City Skylines. All you can do is be productive and kind and care about people, so. Well, that's boring. No. Exactly. You can no. completely neglect them. There's an achievement for um, having a certain amount of abandoned buildings for X number of years. Oh, I did uh, build all those uh, low-income housing units next to the coal <laughs> power plant, so I guess that was pretty nefarious. Okay, I feel I built, a little better now. I built, I built uh, middle-income houses next to a uh, wind turbine, and they cried about it. A bunch of nimbies. Oh, they're nimbies. <laughs> I don't know how this happens, but in very on this podcast, whether I'm speaking for or against some game, just the act of speaking about it makes me want to play it. <laughs> I'm like too self-influential, yeah. I think. Is that a thing? I think so. You know, you just talked yourself into it. But yeah, I really am, en I am enjoying that game a lot. I have a few hours already uh, on it. I have seven hours played since I bought wow. it. Wow. Maybe I'll keep it. 
Because you, it's impressive to see the stuff that you accomplish with it. Maybe I'll keep. Yeah, it. like I said, you'll probably find yourself restarting because you get because you uh, make it a big fucking hole in the ground, or you like me, you get pissed off because everyone because you have no means to pay for the services. You've taken out all the loans, so you just crank the tax, make people miserable for a couple of months, get out of debt, lower the tax back to what you actually want them to pay, watch them come back in droves, thankful <laughs> for the fact that it's no longer twenty nine percent, but hey, they can pay fourteen percent now. <laughs> Isn't that bait and switch? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, the last game that I bought on the Steam sale so far, which I haven't played in the commercial version, but I did play it a little bit when it was a free mod, is Black Mesa, which is oh, right. like, I don't know if it's a fan created, if that's the word for it, but it's like a recreation of the original Half-Life game in this beautiful engine. I guess it's the new Source engine, mm. um, but like all new assets, it has like new uh, character models and stuff. Um, they've kind of taken the spirit of the levels that they've redesigned and they've completely recreated them, but sort of capturing the same set pieces and mechanics and puzzles um, and kind of expanding on them a little. What impressed me the most when I played the mod was they really, really expanded on the dialogue. Um, for example, there might have been like some nondescript NPCs that would like three, there might have been 10 different people and they all had the same voice and they all said the same little one liners. Um, and in Black Mesa, you can talk to one guy and he tells you like 25 different jokes just by clicking on him over and over and over. So they really put a lot of love and care into it. And it's super cool of Valve to permit this team to to embellish upon and to iterate upon this like super famous game that made the company what it is. So uh, I'm glad that I bought it. It was, an, it was an early access game. It's still on sale now. I think it's 10 bucks, regular 20. And it's like 80% of the game. The only thing they haven't recreated yet is Zen, the alien planet that you visit at the end of the game with the a few boss battles and the big uh, denouement. So uh, I'm happy to have supported them. Well, Look who's all, all of a sudden English and using big words. Okay, friggin' that's enough English out of me. That's what I bought, those three things. Yeah. Dear, why don't you have a... <laughs> A terrifying list of games that you've purchased. Why don't you... Well, I got a bunch of stuff really cheap, so... Why, why don't you summarize? Okay, so I got, like we already said, City Skylines. And then we're going through my usual, a bunch of find-the-shit games. I got one 4-in-1, one, which contained uh, House of a Thousand Doors, Eternal Journey, Dark Strokes, and Stray Souls. House of a Thousand Doors? What if you got a poo? <laughs> I can see a flaw in this, in this architectural well, design. What if you have all the doors labeled? Uh, okay. As long as there's like, anyway. <laughs> I think I've made my point. I'm not going to elaborate. What else, dear? Uh, in between lands, Game of Thrones RPG. Not to be confused with the Game of Thrones game I already played, which was the Telltale one. Oh, because you're still not tired of stabbing in boobs. Exactly. I mean, I'm still working on Clash of Kings, the second book. Nice thousand-page novel, which is a, which is a, a bit longer than the one I read before, which is only 900 pages. How and that's exhausting. excluding the appendix, which talks about each individual household. Let's see. Like, moving down the list. Techno Babylon. The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Oh, yeah, Techno Babylon. She watched me play that. And even though our computers are side-by-side side for games that we really respect, we'll tend to buy one version for each of us. So uh, that's what happened with The Golden Wake. That's what happened with Blackwell. And that's what's now happened with Techno Babylon. Oh. Go, Wedgedi. <laughs> Among the Heavens. Thanks for keeping me employed. <laughs> <laughs> me personally? You must not eat very much. <laughs> Among the Heavens, Unfinished, Nardis Lament, and Bioshock 2. 
Sheep. <laughs> That's not so terrifying a list. That's not so terrifying. Well, yeah, I guess not. But Bioshock 2. So she played. Shut up, Burns. Oh my gosh. She's played Bioshock. She's played Bio in, Bioshock Infinite. Now she bought Bioshock 2. And in like three years from now, at this rate, she'll buy Bioshock 1 and understand what the hell's been going on all this time. Like, dude, the fuck. The fuck? I, I can't stand playing games out of order or like not playing from the beginning of the series. Like, um, I have to start at the well, beginning. That's a con- that's a condition called sanity. <laughs> so I'm reading three books at the same time. What's your point? I'm reading uh, Warcraft, uh, War Crimes. I have uh, Confinement that I, I'm reading on my Android. I have Clash of Kings. I think I'm also reading. I have another book started. I think I have one of the the first part of Under the Dome by Stephen King going. Yeah, but you're reading them in order. That's one thing. Everybody plays lots of stuff at the same time, but you don't play them backwards. You don't. But are you reading the books at the same time? Like, do you have them all in the same, you know, space, and then you just kind of read one paragraph of each one? Yeah, she's like an octopus with a book in each tentacle. Okay. <laughs> Quivering and, left and right as her eyes dart between pages. Yep. And I even have my own little um, book light, which Brian really hates. It's an LED-powered light, and it's, uh, ah, yeah. <laughs> it's brighter than, my la- than our bedroom lamp. Well, yeah, she uses this book light in bed, and she makes these terrifying shadow puppets. It looks like Cthulhu is like encroaching on my on my head. It's scary. Well, not to beat a dead horse, but now you can use your keyboard. <laughs> it's a source of like blinding light, like all the time. Like I imagine, like sitting with your keyboard, your book light, maybe wearing some like raver bracelets, flashing, and like it'd be like a miner's headlamp. And- <laughs> Yeah, we, we require stimulation of all sorts at all times. <laughs> We're of that generation, I suppose. Mm. <laughs> all right. I think it is uh, pretty common, like, you know, like there'll be a game series, and then, like, the second or the third installment will be, like, really big, or, like, a lot of press. Like, everybody jumps on and plays it. And so then, you know, when it'll catch my attention, I'll be like, oh, well, I guess I better go back to the beginning and, like, play all these, like, old, like... You know, more rickety games are like they're like generations old, and everybody's playing the new thing. I'm like, no, oh, I gotta gotta work my way through and play the whole thing. And well, it's like Fallout. Anybody who hasn't played Fallout before four has a lot to go through. That's true. It's called Cliff's Notes. And, and I, I tried. Notes, I, I started playing Fallout One. I didn't get very far. Yeah. Something happened with Deus Ex. Like I'm like, oh, Deus Ex: Human Revolution. Like everybody's talking about it. Seems really cool. Well, better get, go back and play the first game. <laughs> Made it as far as the indicated yeah. uh, notes from before and don't bother buying the game. That's what I figure. Yeah. I tried I tried Deus Ex last week. I, I think I've tried to play that game like four or five times. I actually made it through the tutorial this time. Previously <laughs> I and it's always because of the sneaking. I'm so crappy at sneaking in games. But then I made it actually into the first mission. And after you talk to a couple of people and look into a few boxes, what do you have to do? Lots of sneaking. <laughs> yeah, the sneaking in in the original Deus Ex is pretty terrible. I I played Deus Ex Human Revolution first. I know you hated that game, Brian, but I like that game. Yes. And and then I played Deus Ex, and just going back was well, really the hard. Thing. Like that's the other reason to start at the beginning. It's yeah. so hard to go back. If, yeah. Like the controls aren't as good, or like they fixed all these problems, and it was so much smoother in the later ones. It's big like graphics changes and stuff like that's. Well, you got to start at the beginning. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I wasn't very good at the sneaking in Deus Ex either. That reminds <laughs> me, I have to finish the first two games of uh, Space Quest series. I played all the others. 
I, I didn't play two actually because I played Space Quest One VGA from start to finish, and I don't remember that being a very good game. I really only like uh, three and four of that whole series, and that's about it. But I should yeah. play them all. Yeah, I started the Space Quest series again because the later ones like seemed really cool. I think I only made it up through two, and then got well, two sucks. <laughs> Trolls will probably throw something at me for saying this, but 2 is a terrible game. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a shame. I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's bad. I know that it sets the scene for some occurrences in number 3. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. I do my best. (laughs) All right. Well, that's all that. Um... Before I uh, read our letter, I wanted to just send a quick shout-out to Red Thread Games and to Ragnar Thornquist for, um, finally, after much difficulty, porting Dreamfall chapters to the Unity 5.2 engine. They were using 4.7 or something before that, which had all kinds of memory and graphical limitations, which really reduced the frame rate and reduced the number of objects they could put on screen and stuff like that, so they've... uh, with great difficulty, ported it to 5.2. And I give it a bit of a try, and the frame rate is, like, three times better than it was, and the new shaders kind of make things, like, it makes the details a lot more easily visible. You can really, like, see the different types of cloth and the outfits, and even though things are glowing, you can still make out the details through the effects and all. So it looks really beautiful, and I think I'm going to start that series all over again. I got kind of tripped up in the second uh, episode, so I've got three episodes that I'm supposed to have gotten through, so... No better excuse than this to start all over and enjoy it again. I really like the first chapter, even though not too much happened, but I appreciate the characters. Yeah. Even that, that little like write-up of the game admitted like, oh, it was a little slow to start. <laughs> yeah, it was. But that's yeah, that's I, kind I'm of like, how all those games are. It's just, it, yeah, I mean, you I notice it I don't think you more. need to apologize for that. I, I like a nice, you know, slow rambling story. Sure. <laughs> I, think, just, I think a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, game designers and writers do have to apologize for that, but one person who doesn't, in my opinion, is Ragnar Tornquist. I find his dialogue just, like, infinitely interesting. Well, for the most part, yeah. I know I have a better tolerance for some scenes telling you. stories. That, that part may have wound up in my uh, in my notes for our main topic, so why don't we leave that discussion for that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't mind a slow... You know, a slow to start story, but I don't think it works well in an episodic format. Yeah, I guess that that is a little different. But, no, yeah. I don't know if Dreamfall Chapters allows you to purchase just one episode, though. I think you have to buy the whole, the whole shebang. So maybe that affords you the ability to take your time a little more. I guess you don't have to impress someone with a big shocker. In, yeah, in each episode, I appreciate that too. I mean, maybe it's good story design to keep some kind of major story beats at regular intervals, but there's also the freedom of being able to kind of build up to something and establish normalcy before the the big reveal. So yeah. we shall see. I mean we've been we've been playing it together and it's it's been well so I just don't remember what's happening because it's been so long since book three. Well I never remember what's happening. I, I just remember the little girl going, I'm a pretty lady. I'm singing a song. <laughs> Yes, well, that's all you need to know, really. That was the linchpin of the entire complex plot, all the oh. world and balance, and, you know, okay. whatever it was all about, that girl playing dress-up at the hat stand. I knew it. Oh. Well, now <laughs> I don't have to play it at all. Thanks a lot, <laughs> chumps. 
Um, oh, <laughs> oh, right. And I also have that uh, in my notes that uh, this new version of Unity means that they've announced a, a version for PlayStation 4, which is good. Good for them, because that means they'll bring in a lot more money, and that means they can oh. make more games. Oh? Oh? Beep. Uh-oh. Yeah, hopefully. Beep. Beep. <laughs> the only way I'll be able to play it on my own is if uh, if, it, if it's available on PlayStation 4, because, yeah, my PC. I'm not about to upgrade my PC just to play Dreamfall Chapters. Sorry, Ragnar. Yeah, that's fair enough. Although, who knows, maybe this uh, engine upgrade might have uh, opened it up to you with what you've already maybe. got, but perhaps not. Maybe. Um, Dreamfall mm-hmm. and every single other game, you're like, oh, I can't play that because my computer is too old, which is every game. Yeah. Mm. Fair enough. All right, I have, wow, I have the mother of letters here from our dear, beloved lis- uh, listener, Father Beast. We appreciate this so very, very much. Um, Can we call him Father Beast King, seeing as how he's obviously a more, one of the more prolific le- letter writers for this Father show? Father Beast King. I thought you were, yeah, I thought that was like a Rudyard Kipling thing or something. Okay. <laughs> Father Beast King, because he's like Stephen King, is that why? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's call him that. Thank you. That was that was witty. <laughs> right. I'm going to like take this one paragraph at a time because I believe uh, there will probably be talking points throughout this. But let's uh, go ahead and uh, give her. He says, Hi Squares, this is Father Beast. It's been a while since I wrote in, so I have several shows to comment on. Oh, good. Con- concerning consoles, I have very little experience with consoles. The only real one from my childhood was an Atari 2600 they got at a youth center when I was in high school. Space Invaders was an initial popular choice to play, and some kids like to play Queen, another one bites the dust, while playing that game. <laughs> one interesting way the Atari version was sometimes better than the arcade occurred when the game missile occurred with the game Missile Command. On the 2600, you could choose all these different versions of the game, and we quickly realized that number 18 had far better control of the cursor than any of the others. And we started getting to ridiculous levels in Missile Command by using that setting. Laser Blast by Activision was a bit of fun, since every level past the 20th was exactly the same, so we could keep making the same three shots to clear a level in about a second. Doing that, some of us got up to level 200 or more. Yeah, uh, Bianca, you and I played Atari 2600 when we went to Sid Bolton's Computing History Magazine. Um, magazine. Yeah, we went to a magazine. <laughs> yes, I see your brain's working in, uh, is in stellar working order to the year. I know, I need a tune-up, I guess. <laughs> so that, that uh, console is interesting because it had like, a, not only did it have a power switch on the front, and it wasn't a button, it was like a switch that you would flip. But next to it was like a game mode switch. And you would flip this physical switch on the front of the console, and that would let you toggle between different game modes. So I guess that's what I he's remember that. talking about. Yeah, that was kind of neat. Most games had like game A or B, or maybe there would be it would be kind of like a WarioWare sort of collection of a whole bunch of games, and you would toggle through them by flipping that switch a few times. So that's probably what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, that was about it for my console gaming experience, or so I thought at first. Then I realized the Commodore VIC-20 and the Commodore 64 were consoles of a sort, okay? Since they had a cartridge port, which you could stick game cartridges into, I guess. A few words about the VIC-20 first. The VIC-20 was the first example of something that was extremely limited, even when you first saw it. It had five kilobytes of memory, which were bumping up against almost immediately. Also, the 20 in VIC-20 stood for the 20-character-wide display, which led to unexpected problems. There were several times while playing adventure games that I was supposed to put a word 
that I had been given earlier in the game, and I got it wrong because of how the letters were displayed, like the tail of a Y making the U, making the U on the next line look like an O. Oh, that sucks. Hmm. Anyway, because the VIC-20 was so limited, I strongly suspect that every cartridge brought some extra memory along with it to be able to play. Radar Rat Race <laughs> was an early one we played for a while, but we had a lot more fun playing the Scott Adams texture adventure games, such as Adventureland or Pirate Cove. It may seem strange playing a text adventure off a cartridge, but I'm pretty sure the memory of a VIC-20 couldn't hold a decent-sized text adventure. I have many fond memories of being bitten by chiggers and yelling the bear off the mountainside. Yelling the bear off the mountainside. That sounds like the most wonderful uh, <laughs> code word for something very naughty. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's where they got the idea for Skyrim, where you can yell somebody off the mountain. Oh, I wonder. Who's right yeah, Maybe. <laughs> More like Lucius Larry, this ultimate innuendo. Pardon me for five <laughs> minutes, i got to go yell the bear off the mountainside. <laughs> Uh, I know <laughs> I know. we also had a number of game cartridges on the Commodore 64, but the only one I remember is Wizard of War. Oh, I love that game. It was sort of a Pac-Man type game, but instead of just avoiding the monsters, you could shoot them. The monsters would get together, would get tougher and faster as the levels went on, and occasionally a super creature called the Warlock would appear to menace you. That was, the, that was really the last of them as we were discovering the better stuff, that better stuff could be loaded from tape or even better from disc. I played Wizard of War on my friend's Commodore 64 when I was a kid. I only found out recently that that was originally an arcade game, but the Commodore 64 version was great. It was like Pac-Man with laser beams. It was really hard. <clears throat> a final word on Atari joysticks. My memory of those... My memory is one of those simple one-stick, one-button devices with the button on the base on the upper left side. You would hold it in your left hand with your left thumb covering the button and right hand on the stick. Uh, these were the ones that came with your Atari 2600 and plugged into the console. Astonishingly, the Commodore VIC-20 and Commodore 64 had ports that were meant to plug in an Atari joystick, and most of the games, what well, most of the games, cartridges, or discs were made to use an Atari joystick. Yeah, I guess I do remember actually using that very joystick with Commodore 64s. Must have had a compatible I port. Joystick, but I never had a Commodore 64 or anything. Like yeah, that. neither did I. I had a few friends. I had one friend with a Commodore 64, one with a, a, a Commodore 128. Uh, what? I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm just looking at uh, my Twitter feed, and I see something from uh, the uh, Raja Eye Games feed. And it's <laughs> oh, a yeah. placeholder art, and it looks like a couple of dicks hanging from a ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It's shard-like placeholder art with just some simple line drawings. It does. Cause everything to go and look at some pictures. <laughs> well, of course. Will you uh, will you uh, link me and I'll put it into their. Uh, well, I guess just look for Dave Gilbert on. Uh, oh my god. Twitter. Yeah, they're like that's, radiating that's, their uh, bushy goodness into the room. Yeah, it's coming it, right out of the head. <laughs> it does look like two dicks on the wall, but that's clearly from Dave's new game. <laughs> He's just using recycling characters. From oh. Uh, okay. So oh, Nito. All oh, right, because there's somebody from Techno Babylon too. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Yeah, right. that's, that's a meal. Uh, okay. It's Lau from Techno Babylon, a meal from Blackwell, and 
Amy from oh, Short Life. Yeah. Oh, neat. Pop quiz, like, identify these three characters. Yeah, really. I never would have gotten a meal. Yeah, I know. I'm impressed with your ability to identify rear ends. <laughs> well, it's kind of what I do. Yeah. Yeah, I got to laugh and point at the, uh, I got to laugh and point at that rear end in the Golden Lake on the bed. Here's a bum. Bum, Yeah. Bums are funny. Yeah. It's rotoscope bum. Oh, really? Yeah. That's very professional. (laughs) I know. Good job. All right. Carrying on with the letter. Uh, (laughs) Concerning scary games. I don't really go for scary games. Kind Kind of like horror in general is something I don't go for. My usual excuse is that I spend a great deal of my childhood being actually scared. So seeking to be scared just doesn't appeal to me. Not to mention that most horror doesn't even do that job very well. Nevertheless, I do have a couple of examples. In the original Diablo, yes, the poison spitter dogs were kind of a pain because they spit this poison at you, you don't say, which would persist in draining your hit points after it hit, and they left those pools around you had to be careful not to step in. The nice thing was that after spitting a couple of times, they would run up to you, and then you could kill them. But if they were in a group led by a boss dog, they would act intelligently and not run up to you asking to die. So I was understandably freaked out every time I was casually walking around the dungeon and I would turn a corner and there was an entire band of dogs spitting at me and killing me within seconds. But I didn't turn running and screaming from the situation. The other example is from the original Half-Life. Yes, yes. I had heard Bad crabs. Probably. <laughs> I had heard so much praise for this game that I decided to give it a try, despite the fact that I don't like shooters. I downloaded a walkthrough and made my way through the game with some enjoyment until I ran into the pit. Yeah. There's this humongous pit with these three tentacles coming up from the bottom to strike and instantly kill anything it senses in the pit. Tentacle porn. Sorta. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go through that horror, save scumming every few steps, since even if you were perfectly quiet, you could still get hit by a random strike. I went up and down that thing four or five times since I kept forgetting to do something that needed doing on the other side, before I was able to fire up the jet engines and fry that thing. Then I quit. (laughs) I made myself finish that one task, but it wasn't any fun, and I never wanted to go through that again. I was done with Half-Life, and I never tried any of the sequels either. That's an amazing scene, by the way. Have you guys played the original Half-Life? Yeah. Only a little bit. I played Half-Life 2, but only like the beginning part of Half-Life 1. Mm. Oh, and the beginning part of Half-Life 1, that's worth mentioning for our topic about stories today, too, because that was so revolutionary. A shooter where you spend half an hour not shooting. Yeah. Right. I I remember just watching that. I thought you were going to say about the uh, no-cut scenes. That too, the fact that it's all told in real time and you, the perspective never leaves the protagonist's eyes, I love that. I find that extremely impactful. I think that's wonderful. And then uh, they they held fast with that throughout the whole series until episode two, Half-Life 2, episode two. They had this intro video that was like this recap thing, and it would have these uh, like uh, recorded camera shots zooming all over the map and stuff. It's the first time in the whole series the perspective ever left the protagonist's head. And it really pissed me off. Hmm. I don't remember that. I think I played episode two. Maybe that was that the one that was in the orange box. Maybe that was why they were trying to get people who had never played the game before. Uh, just like our conversation about uh, Fallout Four, uh, I guess they figured a lot of people would that would be their very first exposure to the game. So they tried to make it approachable. I don't know. All right, we're weird that people's first experience would be Half Life Two, Episode Two. I know. 
Well, how many, how many times did we, the uh, internet community, have to correct people who were telling us that Grand Theft Auto 3 was the first Grand Theft Auto of the series? Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I get happily reminded of that game every week, thanks to your podcast, by the way, Francisco. The last <laughs> sound. Grand Theft Auto 3. Oh, right, right. Vice City, yeah. That's a oh, great... is that Vice City? I thought that was the 3. The no, no, it's, it's from Vice City. Ah, the, the mission complete sound. Yeah, that's the best mission complete sound in the entire series. In Isn't it? It's so badass. Yeah, it is. All right, we're in the home stretch here, folks. After a recent episode <laughs> of the letter or the podcast, <laughs> I think it's going to be both at this rate. Yeah, that's par for the course. <laughs> After a recent episode in which you talked about com- about companies which say unlimited or have unlimited in their name, but don't actually mean unlimited, <laughs> I thought you would appreciate this song about supposedly free water. The copy I'm sending you is in low quality, but here's a link where you can stream the song or buy it from the website. I'll put that at the end of the episode. He has another one here too. You guys have also been talking a bit about the tech support people for your families. Oh, about being the tech support people for your families, yes. You might like this song about being the guy in the office that everyone leans on. Again, low quality, but a link to stream or buy. I'll put the, I'll put that at the end as well. And thank goodness I work for an IT department, so I, I still have to fix shit for people now that I think of it. Damn it. Okay, I'll, I'll uh, listen to the song and shake my fist with rage. <laughs> in the game design ideas section, I heard some guy replaying Monkey Island 2 and complaining about how he was led astray by the red herring of the different colored drinks he had when trying to win the drinking contest. It occurred to me that you could build this into a game on purpose, in easy mode, something like something you likely already have in your inventory or have easy access to can solve the puzzle. However, if you play on Mega Monkey mode, or whatever you end up calling it, <laughs> the obvious solution just doesn't work and you have to jump through some crazy hoops to get past a particular puzzle. That's right, I'm talking about deliberately putting Moon Logic into your game, at least for the hard mode, with plenty of warnings about how it will cause lots of hair pulling and stuff, such as... Are you sure this mode is only for the most hardcore of adventure game players? What is Moon Logic? What is Moon Logic? Oh, what is Moon Logic? Francisco, what, would you like to tackle logic? this one? Moon Logic is the enemy. Moon Logic is the thing that you should never, ever put in your adventure games. Moon Logic is the devil. <laughs> okay, now how about actually telling me what the fuck it is? <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So let's say, let's say that, okay, did you ever play the original Discworld? No. Nope. Okay, so the... Oh, hang on. It's my phone. <laughs> oh, so that's what that horrible sound is. I forgot to set my phone to uh, vibrate. Anyway, um... Okay, so in the original Discworld, there's a puzzle where you have to take uh, a wizard's staff and replace it with a broom handle because he's old and he won't notice. So later on in the game, you have to take the broom handle back but in order to do that, you have to replace it with something that's staff-like. So in order to do that, I forget how you get the snake. But there's a snake that you have to find and get that. And then feed it fertilizer to make it grow, right? A fer- plant fertilizer on a snake to make it grow. And then you have to use starch to harden it so it's like a staff. What? Yeah, that's moon logic. Basically. Oh, so basically thinking like a developer. Yes, right, thinking exactly. like a developer is okay. some completely absurd logic that makes absolutely no sense. That's that's what's called moon logic. Oh, so it's like basically to extend gameplay to without actually putting in any actual gameplay. Yeah, pretty much. It's like a, a way to make people buy your hint book. 
Exactly. And that is terrible. And I think that Father Beast's idea of purposely putting it in an adventure game is, well, quite frankly, silly. Who would want to subject themselves to that? Not me, that's for sure. That's a good question. Well, there's an achievement for it. Oh, <laughs> you are such an achievement whore. Look, I would well, we've seen mine. Yeah, wow, my achievement Achievements wow. for all sorts of like terrible and abusive behaviors. Like, like here, I will reward you to do this awful, torturous thing that you would otherwise never do. Put the hamster in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, Francisco is kind of the, the king of trophy hunting lately, isn't he? Yeah, well, sort of. Sort of. Only for select games. You you bat, yeah. Batman the heck out of Batman. I achievements in, in especially adventure and, like, story-based games, especially the ones that are just, like, plot checkpoints. Like, you've got the X point, like, oh, you know, the puppy just died. And Yay! Let's remember that. <laughs> you're, like... You have this whole huge emotional cutscene, and like the music is swelling, and it fades out and goes to the next thing, and like bling, <laughs> all dogs do go to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> no, get out of here. That's why. That's why I tend to make achievements in my games be things that you have to go out of your way to get. Mm-hmm. I don't like story checkpoints either. I, don't I do like giving them terribly punny names. Oh yeah, yeah. that's your privilege, of course. I, I did. Yeah. I did once have. It was my job to make the whole achievement system for a game and come up with all the like really punny names and stuff. Oh, oh that's, that's awesome. That is fun. Hmm. I don't remember a lot of achievements in a Golden Wake, but I remember in Techno Babylon there was like this big Rolodex full of names that you can call on this phone, and there's mm-hmm. an achievement for calling every single one of them. And that was a reward in and of itself because they were all funny. Yeah. But I, that was one I appreciated. Mm-hmm. You got an achievement for for uh, successfully solving every uh, persuasion puzzle, and the guy with the toupee. It was called "You're going to pay for that." Oh, we just did by hearing that. Wow, <laughs> tough crowd. <laughs> oh, horrible. So, all right, there was there was there was lag on my end, so there was there was like five seconds of utter silence. <laughs> no, that was that really happened. We were. Staring at oh. you, slack jawed in disbelief. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I deserve that. <laughs> no, that was like. Yes, you do. <laughs> All right, we're we we have a paragraph to go. <laughs> Are you guys ready? Here we go. Oh, good. Yes. <laughs> I haven't listened to the UI episode yet, but I am always impressed by the interface of the original Master of Orion and some of Heroes of Might and Magic games, where you have this bar of tools on the bottom or side, but it doesn't get in the way of the main gameplay, which is in the main screen. Okay, I didn't spend too much time thinking about it. <laughs> what I will say about Master of Orion and Heroes of Might and Magic is that I haven't played either, but I always enjoyed reading about them in PC Gamer Magazine because of the acronyms. Moo and Ho Man. <laughs> You're my Ho Man. <laughs> Still listening to all your jumbo sized episodes, Father Beast. <laughs> Thank you very, very much, Father Beast. We really, really do appreciate you uh, writing in with such a uh, thoughtful and uh, voluminous, prolific <laughs> message. Verbose. <laughs> Verbose. Sincerely do appreciate it. And we're it's a privilege to have you listening to us. So thank you very much, Father Beast. We really appreciate that. Is Father Beast a member of the clergy, do you think? Maybe. Of, like, the animal clergy? Wow. Tough or call. maybe the satanic church. I mean, <laughs> the beast. Huh? Okay. I didn't hear what you said. I said, he's calling himself the beast. So, obviously, his address starts with 6666. Oh, it could be. <laughs> Thanks. 
Uh, you people are useless. Yes, we are. <laughs> but when we congregate us all together, we equal like the intellect of like two thirds of a person. So oh, so you're about as smart as a budgie. Yes, <laughs> just about. <laughs> all right. With that being said, why don't we quickly mention uh, the games that we have played in the past little while, and then we can dive headlong into our topic. Uh, Jess, how would you like to go first? Have you played much other than uh, Dragon's Age? Um, I have. I, uh, well, a little bit. Let's see. The last game I played was actually a, uh, a little text adventure you might have heard of called Adventure. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, adventure. Oh, that one. The biggie. Well, there's a reason it's... <laughs> there's a reason the whole genre yeah. is named after that. It's... <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I, I've been wanting to um, to get into that was, writing. That was very, like, well, I just played a little bit, little game you might have heard of. It's called... Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to inject a little bit of drama. Oh, I see, I see. But I, I can kind of picture you doing like the Dr. Evil pinky to the corner of the mouth thing. <laughs> <laughs> the cat, she looks into the camera and it zooms in. And... <laughs> that was very nefariously stated. Exactly. Good job. <laughs> um, no, I, mean, I, I, I kind of felt bad that I had never played it. Um, you know, like I said, I like to start at the beginning and work my way up. You sure do. You got like three and a half decades to go now until you're up to speed. That's great. Um, How, uh, what's your opinion? Uh, it was, well, so the, um, the version that I got was like a, uh, the like inform version that was, you know, translated not too long ago. So, um, I, I still don't know how much of that is just, you know, part of the inform system and interface and like, you know, how, how different it would have been in the original. Um, but it was, it felt surprisingly modern. Um, mm -hmm. I was, I was actually kind of surprised. I expect, well, again, a lot of this is also probably because of the informed translation, but, um, you know, I expected like, Oh, like half the commands I'm going to try, like aren't going to work. And, you know, it's going to be really kind of like clunky and weird and unfair and stuff. But, um, no, it was, uh, it was surprisingly nice. Um, and the, uh, I appreciated like how spare the descriptions were, but I mean, it's all about like giving you a sense of exploring this like real cave system. And even like with these really like kind of sparse descriptions, I felt like it could build up a pretty good picture of, you know, what this place was like and what it felt to explore. Mm. Um, and I was kind of like reading all the history and stuff around it and, um, you know, about people actually visiting like Mammoth Cave even though like oh like i played the game like over and over and like could just like navigate the cave like oh, okay it's like through this passage and down that room and then down through that crawl and yeah i know exactly where i am hmm. so that was all that was all kind of cool um i oh, thought it was kind of funny that that the uh you know the whole point of this thing is just to run around and like collect treasures <laughs> oh how interesting it's kind of arcadey in that fashion yeah and like the whole like point system and everything and it's like first-person textual Pac-Man. That's <laughs> yeah. very interesting. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that game was originally on punch cards. I might be wrong. Was that one of the punch card ones? I, it might be, because that was like the first real was... adventure, wasn't it? Or was it Colossal Cave? I forget which came first. Well, yeah, it, this was um, Adventure, otherwise known as like Colossal Cave Adventure. Oh, I see. Um, 
so yeah but it was um and then the ending like i don't know spoil the ending of this, think, uh, decades I, I think the 30 year 30 plus years is beyond the statute of limitations oh, of no oh, hang on hang on three two one okay it just passed all right enough okay. enough spoilers <laughs> the timing um hope everyone who hasn't played it yet has like tuned out by now um but no just the sort of like deconstruction of the whole thing at the end i thought was like hilarious like this wonderful turn where you sort of like go behind the scenes and you see the room where they like have all of the like you know adventure equipment stored and like oh am i by the furrow of your brow, I'm, I'm oh, I've never played this. Adventure. No. I'm curious. Me too, kind of. I've never played it now, either. At the end, once you find all of the treasures, um, that triggers an announcement like, oh, the cave is now closing. Like, please oh. make your way to the exit. Um, and then you, you kind of, like, go through all these, like, blind passages, and then you wind up, like, in the, um, I forget what the room is called, the repository, I think. Um, and it's just this room where, like, all of the, stuff is it's like oh here's the like pile of like diamond necklaces and like here's like all of the birds and like a stack of bird cages and here's all the spare snakes and they're all just like kind of in a room like the staging area for the adventure stuff um and that's funny you, and you have to like you have to like blow a hole in the like wall to escape and then like leave out of the wall that you blew up. It's like it's really yes. weird and surreal, but it almost felt like you know, like Stanley Parable or something. Yeah. Like that level of like deconstruction. I wonder if there was any influence on Monkey Island 2's ending from that. Oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it was kinda like that. Or uh Leisure Suit Larry Three. I was thinking, oh yeah, the end of Leisure Suit Larry 3. I was also thinking of in Leisure Suit Larry 1, the original one, when you die, and it like, yeah, takes you yeah. down to the Sierra factory where they build the robotic protagonists. Yeah. I love that concept. Screw the fourth wall. Fourth wall is like <laughs> quite, a, quite a restrictive thing. Yeah. Neato. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so the reason that I wanted to go back and play it other than, you know, start at the beginning and mm. game history and completionism and all that, um, is I've, I've actually, um, writing a IF game that's, um, that's sort of based on Colossal Cave Adventure mm. and, um, actually going, we're going to go do and go and do some real life research and like I'm dragging the family along mm -hmm. on a trip to like a, a cave. Uh, it's like an hour away here in New York um, to go and explore. But yeah, I've been reading like, uh, like guide brochures and stuff and like all these different caves and like, you know, different tours and stuff. And that's, uh, that's going to be the research for a, it's called an homage to Colossal Cave Adventure. I'm working on. Oh, very cool. What um, tools are you going to use to build the IF game? Which engine? Um, I think Inform, um, which seems to be, you know, pretty, like, well-developed and robust. At first, I was, uh, like, I thought it was a little weird, this, like, natural language, like, you know, language that it uses, but... Mm. It's, cause it's supposed to be like for writers, like, you know, like easy to get into if you don't know a lot of programming and all of the, um, you know, the language is just in English sentences. Like there is a room called the cave entrance south of the cave entrance is 
the great hall inside the great hall is a container called a chest and inside the chest is a diamond necklace and inside the diamond necklace there's a frog and it's in the hole (laughs) of the bottom of the sea (laughs) and the green grass grew all around and around around. (laughs) right so you just type all that up into the into the source and then run it and you know it, it all works and that Huh. So it was just like a funny idea to me. Like I'm not put off by something that looks more like a programming language. It's a little more coding, but uh, like I said, the system seems to have been like very well thought out and kind of robust and handles a lot of stuff for you. So I'm like, all right, so I'll learn inform. I'll give that a go. And I've been, you know, I downloaded it and I've been like reading the manual. I'm actually really enjoying reading the manual because it's, um, yeah, like this is an engine developed by writers who developed an engine for like, you know, story games. It's all very literary. And just the language that the book is written in is very sort of like poetic and literary. It's like, you know, and, you know, you will find controls for this, but we need not con- concern ourselves with that for now. I'm like, perhaps you would like to do like this thing, just like the. I don't know, just like the prose of the manual is kind of like a pleasure and like fun to read and kind of funny, like when I compare it to like any other like programming instruction book that I might read. It's just, um, it's like, we're in a different world now. We're in the world of IF. <laughs> so so that, that's what I've been doing lately. Oh, that's nice. Oh, well, good stuff. Is that, uh, is that the bulk of what you played uh, recently? Um, I, I feel like I've, I've been on the verge of playing games and I've been just so busy. I haven't like, for me, gaming Ooh, is, is a very, like, long stretch, uninterrupted thing. Like I, that's why I don't really do like mobile games that like, oh, do for five minutes and then the subway comes and get on and then like play five minutes more. Like I, I need like long stretches of quiet time, dark room and like a purring cat and a glass of wine. Like I, <laughs> I've been... I've been kind of like running around a lot lately and haven't really had the time to do that. But um, what about the dagger of Amon Ra? Yes. Well, that keeps breaking. We keep failing to play it. And also sometimes the glass of wine puts me to sleep. The glass of wine always puts you to sleep. I keep poking you. It's it's a lovely game. It's no reflection on the game, but uh, that is a lovely game. We've been trying to work our way through that too. Oh, are you doing the CD-ROM voiced version or the, the, the silent oh, yes. movie? I've never played that one, and from what little I've seen of it, I think I'm happier with the disc version myself. I think I think that that's a game that if you've never played it before, you should play the text version because it's actually very well written. Yeah. But And then once you're familiar with it, then play it with the voices. Because if you play it for the first time with the voices, I mean, I played it for the first time with the voices, but that was years ago. I think nowadays if you play it, with the voices on, it's it can be a bit of a turnoff. I, I don't think there's but, any game I've played where the voices have been so bad that I would turn uh, them off. Have you ever played King's I mean, Quest V? Well, <laughs> That's no, a loaded question because I know you've played King's Quest V. Yes, but I played the NES version. <laughs> yes, I know. And, and to me, like the NES, NES King's Quest V was actually my first adventure game. Mine too. Um, oh, same with uh, Natalie Rizalka, I think. Mm. Yeah, it was a it was a good one. It was a good gateway drug, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, I like had a friend that had the PC version. I like went over to her house once, like you know, the kid, and like so I was like, 
oh my goodness, it's so beautiful. <laughs> compared, well, it is. It is. Compared to just the like gray and brown yeah. and like sky blue, like really only like colors. Well, to be colors. fair, I mean, anything's <laughs> beautiful <laughs> compared to the NES version yeah, but, of King's I, I haven't really deep found this for it, but you know, I, I, was, I was spared the voices <laughs> with that version. Um, I've come to know them mm-hmm. in my later years. <laughs> <laughs> you just came to know one yesterday. Yeah, you're like dating one, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I, I I did I, Sir Grey Wolf for her yesterday. Yeah, yeah, recently. Oh, I, I just assume you do your Cedric uh, voice whenever you're not podcasting. That's like your go-to, oh, your default. That's my natural voice. Yeah, yeah you just kind of beef just, it up for the podcast. stage voice. Yeah. Hello, I am on a podcast. Hello, I am a normal functioning <laughs> human being. And then I just go, oh, where did I leave the kitchen supplies? <laughs> I got you figured out. I got your number, bud. You know, it's very small. No, I don't think Will you stop clicking? Just Sorry. <laughs> I'm uh, listening and reading at the same time, and I clicked the wrong thing. I'm this is sorry. multitasking. Who are you, Ben Chandler? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. When we had uh, Ben and Kelsey on our show uh, a few weeks ago to discuss favorite characters, I mentioned Low Fat from Diver oh, of Amun yeah. I love that character. I think he's really cool. Do you guys have any favorite characters from uh, that game? Uh, well, I should say that Ben told me about that. I haven't, I've, I haven't listened to the episode yet. I haven't listened to a lot of podcasts lately, but, um, he mentioned that, that based on your description, it was kind of putting him off playing the game because he was like, that sounds really horrible and racist. And oh, I was like, man. yes, it is horrible and racist, but it's, it's Sierra in the nineties. What do you want? I <laughs> like that guy. <laughs> I like, I like low fat. fat salad dressing. <laughs> My favorite, my favorite line of his is two dollar every year," and I don't know why. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't heard it voiced. Maybe that would be my favorite oh, line too. Oh yeah, he, that's how he talks, basically. Okay, that's another reason why I guess you have to differentiate the the voices and the prose yeah. itself. Um, but favorite characters? Well, you you've met all the characters so already. Who's your favorite? Have I? I guess. Yeah. I didn't know that. Now I know. I have no more to look forward to. No. <laughs> um, I, I kind of like the, um, oh, what was her name? The Greek professor. Oh, yeah. Olympia Miklos. Oh, yeah. she's awesome. She's so dark. She's, she's an interesting one. Yeah. My favorite character is actually the narrator. Just because of how snarky mm. she is when she tell, when you like do inappropriate things to the bodies. Oh, yeah. And I like it when you use the magnifying glass on Dr. Carter's tongue. And she's like, the tongue is arched, as if to say, <laughs> That's my favorite line in the, of hers. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. a pretty good narrator. I, I love a narrator with personality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the same voice actress that played Laura Bowe, so. Ah. The, she did a double yeah. act there. Neat. Oh, Andy Vett Della. Probably she played three characters. Mm. So. Busy girl. Yep. <laughs> Whoever so, she was. Yes. She was probably the accountant. Yeah, Yvette was a busy girl, too. Well, uh, Francisco, what have you been playing lately? Uh, let's see. Well, I've been playing Bloodborne. Um, oh, yeah, I that's think... like a really grindy, punishing uh, combat game, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. It's like Dark Souls. I've never played Dark Souls, but um, I finished Bloodborne the other day, like 4 o'clock in the morning, and immediately started playing New Game Plus. Wow. So, yeah. It's a sign of uh, a good game. Yeah. Um, and 
and uh, let's see. I've also been playing a little bit of uh, Valiant Hearts: The Great War, which is uh, entertaining. Oh, what kind uh, of a game is it? It's uh, it's from it's Ubisoft. It uses that UbiArt framework that they use for Rayman. Oh and yeah, it's basically a, a side-scrolling slash platformer slash puzzle game where you play five different characters through World War One, and it's actually really historically interesting hmm. as well as just a fun game too um and there's a dog and i'm convinced that the dog is gonna die but it hasn't yet <laughs> and i'm just waiting for that very last bit where he gets blown up and goes Arr! and i'm just gonna be oh he's gonna sacrifice over. himself for the protagonist <laughs> or something right? yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably <laughs> probably because the game does have achievements uh-huh so <laughs> there you go um uh, aside from that, I haven't really been playing too much more because I've been I've been running around a lot on the weekends as well. Um, we fired up the dig last night because I've been nagging Jess to play the dig, so I put the dig on on the TV and it's so far down my huge list. Yeah, and mm. and so we were I was trying to drive while Jess and her mom and stepdad were like figuring out what to do, but it, I don't think it went over too well. <laughs> it did. Everyone enjoyed it. Everyone was just we just ate our our. <laughs> Black Friday Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner, and we were all falling We were all tofu'd out. But uh, now that, uh, was, that like, was pretty cool. Too much tofurky? What's that? Tofurky? Yeah. <laughs> Homemade tofurky. Mm. Yeah. Vegan Thanksgiving dinner. It was... It was lovely. It was it was certainly something. Yep. <laughs> and don't worry, you're not the only one who suffered through that kind of thing. I I stuffed brain full of veggies last night with a very sli- with just a slight sliver of fish. Ooh. Ooh, you made it good though. That's lovely. You made it real good. <laughs> yeah. Mostly, yeah. I've been uh, stuffing veggies down his gullet so he can't complain and not be hungry. Yeah, I'm gonna start sprouting in the spring. <laughs> Keep watering me. <laughs> Well, dear, what have you been playing lately? Well, aside from the city skylines, um, among the heavens, just a, it's a cross between a time management game like Think uh, Diner Dash and with the occasional uh, match three puzzle thrown in in order to get uh, potion boost boost potions. Oh, is that that cheap like uh, <laughs> little indie kind of a game with the voices that make me want to pull the mirror off of the bathroom wall and smash it over my head? Yeah, that one. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That, that's grating. Okay, what else? Um, my new, the new Game of Thrones game that I got the RPG one. Oh, did you start that? Yeah. And have what have there been more of so far? Swords or boobs? Um, mm-hmm. a lot more. Just a lot of uh, talk about getting people used to being on the wall because there's new recruits. Oh. Yeah, if you've seen the show, you know the uh, whole oath that's taken either before the new gods or the old gods. So there was all that. And of course, oh yeah, there was a bit of blood. One of the uh, pe- first people you see was beheaded within the first ten minutes. Mm-hmm. So there's the swords. Yeah. Then later you'll get the boobs. I have boobs right here. <laughs> oh my! Ladies and gentlemen, I can confirm her statement is in fact factual. <laughs> Hang on. Okay, now I'm really sure. Podcast rated. Uh, we'll see by the time we're done. Yes. Yeah, so boobs. Beheading blood. <laughs> And swords, and so boobs. Oh. No we boobs yet. But those all start with bees. <laughs> and let's see, moving down my Brian list. Brian and Bianca. Brian and Bianca's <laughs> blood, boobs, and birds. Blood, boob, <laughs> birds, boobs, and birds. Be- behooves you to listen. 
<laughs> and finally, on the bottom of my list, because it's not a it's not a week with me playing games unless I play Find the Shit. And this week's Find the Shit game is Clockwork Tales of Glass and Ink. Tales of Glass and Ink. That's like the story of Ben Chandler painting while drinking his tea. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would be the tale of uh, trolls uh, drinking and trying not to fall over while he's doing a podcast with us. <laughs> oh, yeah, trying. <laughs> Hi, trolls. <laughs> so how, well, that's a click the shit, find the shit, and then click on it? Yep, that's a find. It's find the shit and uh, put the shit together to solve the puzzle uh-huh. and stop the evil uh, dude and his, and his earthquake machine. Have you played Sinister City? I have it on my list. It's on my to play list. Yeah, you need to play Sinister City. <laughs> Sounds I sinister. will be. I think I have like a. Li- and I have. I actually made a whole category on Steam uh, called my to play list. Okay. It's got more than twenty games on it. And Did that- you, have you bought it already though? Yes. Okay, good. Because it was on sale recently for like nine cents, and it's the best nine cents I ever spent. But <laughs> I, I think also I would must not have paid spent... full price. I must have paid like two dollars for it. Okay. Oh no, I think <laughs> anything more than nine cents, I I would have contested <laughs> and asked for a refund. <laughs> it's kind a of terrible game, but it's also charming in its way. Okay. This I got a Z. Yep. So yeah. that's all I, I played. Yep. All right. Well, me, uh, I already talked about Dying Light and Dreamfall chapters, and I'll, I, maybe I'll put some more time into City Skylines. The um, one game that I played and finished this week was uh, Wolfenstein, in, made in 2009 by Raven Software, which is a first-person shooter. It's a, I think it's like a non-canonical uh, continuation or retelling or something of the Wolfenstein story, which has been redone I don't know how many times, rebooted I don't know how many times. It's like Nazis and supernatural occult magical stuff, and it's a really nice game engine. It's got good physics. It's got good weapons and gunplay and stuff. You have, like, magical abilities as well, which I don't really care too much about, and it has upgrade trees, so you can choose whether you want to put points into the ballistic weapons or the magical weapons. Uh, It was pretty good. Well, it's not amazing, but it was pretty good. I own it on Steam, and it's no, no longer available for purchase on Steam, and there's, like, all these people on the forums begging for Steam versions, even though eBay has, like, the PC version for, like, a buck. So people are, are committed to their Steam. So anyway, Wolfenstein, it was pretty good. If you're into shooters, and get it just to see the mechanics and all that, but uh, don't uh, don't go crazy looking for it because it's so-so. Mm-hmm. All right. And with that, I think we can now officially move into our topic. Wow. So Just if like our listeners, listeners are still in at this point, congratulations, you made it past an hour and a half of listening to a flitter <laughs> about complete nonsense. This is the Dragon Age Inquisition School of Podcasting. The real podcast starts after an hour and a half. <laughs> now you know the lore and you're prepared to move forward. Uh, before we do, Please. does anybody Please. need a break? Do you guys want a break or anything? Uh, I uh, have to pee. Yeah, a quick break would be good. All right, that's cool. Let's take a break for a bit. I, I won't say pause. what we need to do on the break, but we can keep some things to ourselves. <laughs> I can't. I have to pee. Okay, good luck in the house of a thousand doors. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be back shortly. Sure thing. Hi, right, you. Hello. So, we just turned on this, this space heater. Can you hear it? Not at all. All right, oh, good. that was something we were supposed to get from the basement. Oh, that's right. Okay, we'll do it after the show. <laughs> that's okay. I'm getting all hot and bothered watching the undulating colors of your keyboard. <laughs> 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 I just downloaded Sinister City on my laptop. Now I'm going to make Jess play it when we're finished. So what 
what kind of game is this? It's a hidden object game, but also with the puzzles. Oh, also known as Find the we Shit. Play it with uh, Mom and Mark because we had so much fun playing. I can't remember the name of it. It had some really ridiculous name. I was trying to. Remember, oh yeah, we'll play it together. We uh, yeah, we played. Um, we just put on the TV and we're playing this like really ridiculous hidden object game. Oh, this is the most ridiculous was, hidden object game ever. It set up like this hotel or it was like a ski lodge out back or something and there were yeah, was it like about characters. vampires? There was like this police detective oh, okay. who was like, I am here about the murder. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice to play on a TV. Yeah. You know, it was True, but it was fun. We have like that TVs we, like, right in front of us. They're called magnets. They're like scissors over there on the right, not down. Do you see it? Oh, that's great. Mm. Fun for the whole family. Mm. Oh, one I would love to play on TV would be the Casebook series. I know you played those, Francisco, where you get to like navigate around this uh, photorealistic uh, world, looking at this and that. In is that person. the FMP one? Yeah, it is. Oh no, Your I haven't played that so one. Boring. I thought you had. No. Oh, my mistake. You you should as a as a someone who at least appreciates or tolerates hidden object games. I highly recommend that you check that out. There is a free episode. I think it's casebookthegame.com or something like that. The, okay. the yeah, free episode is very charming. I like FMV games. <laughs> it's a it's a very interesting take on hidden object games, and it's like an engineering marvel the way that they put this together. Hmm. Like you can actually walk around like. It's like it's like Google Street View sort of, but all the nodes that you can walk between are like an inch apart. So it's like you're actually navigating step by step through an, a real photographed environment. It's like magnificent the engineering behind it. It looks so incredible. And the uh, while the the paid for episodes are all pretty like straight edged, hard nosed kind of uh, murder mystery stuff. For whatever reason, the free episode is just like light hearted. Find solve solve grandma's mystery kind of a thing. It's really cute. Isn't that kind of misleading if the free one is like not at all like the paid ones? Now that you mention it, yes, very much so. <laughs> it's like getting Disney to advertise Alfred Hitchcock. Hmm. But uh, they're, they're they're all very good, I would say. Really, they're 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 really interesting. Anyway, I do highly recommend it. Well, good. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, shall we? Uh, Shall we get on with this before we grow too many gray hairs? Let's do this. We have alcohol now. Oh, okay, good. Well, then I expect you. So now we're good to go for a while. Yeah. That's good until you fall asleep. Yeah, or have to pee again. Yes. <laughs> well, we've had a couple of monsters, so we're good to go. Okay. Yes. All right. Hey, let's talk about, what are we talking about? Story and narrative and the other kind of talky things that happen between shooting the jerks. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that stuff. Story. Story story is good. Story is the thing that tells you why you just did the stuff you did. Unless That's you right. skipped it. And then you just did it for nothing. Yeah, or you decide that you Podcast don't care over. about the story and you want to play Bioshock 2 regardless of what the story is. Oh, yeah, really. You <laughs> hypocrite. <laughs> so, I thought Bioshock had a good story. Bioshock did have fun. a pretty good story. You just had to... Wade through a lot of filler, in my opinion, in order to yeah, get yeah. Well, that's that's it. what brought me to it. Like, I I don't play a lot of shooters, but everyone's like, oh, Bioshock, like it's this whole like Ayn Rand, yeah, like thing. And there's all this, mm. you know, there's all this great world building and all oh, the audio diaries and and the great twist ending and all this stuff. So I'm like, all right, and the moral choices. Everybody loves to talk about moral choices in Bioshock. Oh, they're so. very shallow in that game. 
They are. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's kind of like the the low bar that was set for everyone to look at moral choice and say, we can do something much better than this. Yeah, it's like the bare minimum. That's Those are yeah. games, though, they did have quite intriguing stories, but the gameplay really got in the way. I do enjoy shooters, and I thought Bioshock was a pretty subpar shooter. I, I just got... I got tired of it and I don't know how far I got I feel like I got like halfway through and feel like oh you only got to like this point so I think it was actually much much more yeah I remember asking you and I was like hey so did uh, Atlas come out and you were like no and I said well you really haven't gotten very far in this game at all yeah I think I only like got like one or like two little sisters or something mm. maybe like so yeah not that it felt like forever <laughs> but the first 20 minutes of that game it's just magnificent Oh, yeah. yeah. That was true yeah, of Infinite as well. Yeah, for me, I really like um, not just stories, but worlds, just places that are, you know, like really interesting or like beautiful or unusual locations, like mm-hmm. regardless of the story behind them. So this whole like, you know, like 50s and like deco thing, like in the underwater city, like that was all really cool. Like I, I wanted to play a lot of it just for the scenery and just sort of like explore that place. Um yeah, I agree too. Although, what kind? Of, I, I love the setting, and I love just kind of the environmental, unspoken storytelling about there being this like formerly utopian society, and some sort of cataclysmic event happened, and now it looks like this. I like that. I thought it was unfortunate with all the audio diaries, though. That's a trope that I wouldn't mind seeing go mm. away. Like all the interesting stuff happened, and someone's just telling you about it, like radio play style, instead of seeing something unfold yourself. Like show, yeah, don't that, tell. I mean, they kind of, like, it's a trope, but they kind of started it. Or at least the, I guess the big, the big innovation was having it be in audio diaries instead of just like journal pages scattered all over that you read. Although personally, I love finding books and reading stuff in games. So I'm odd that way. Um, I like, I'm like, oh, a journal. Oh, I settle down and sit down and <laughs> read the story of what happened here long ago. Right on. Um, yeah. this one, you can just have someone sort of read it in your ear while you shoot people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, see, I found that annoying. I just, you find an audio diary and there's like five guys in bunny masks coming and beating you to death with wrenches and I'm like, shut up, stop trying to kill me. I'm trying to listen to this audio diary. Yeah, That's yeah. When I find an audio diary or something, my instinct is just, like, stop moving and sit yep. sit down. It's like, okay, tell me a story. Mm. Like, yeah, I, me I'm, too. I'm, I'm not a multitasker. I'm a unitasker. <laughs> I like to just focus on one thing at a time. Um, that's, why I, that's why I don't, like, listen to podcasts that much because I also just, when it's time to listen to one, I just sit down and do that and nothing else. Well, that's true. I other do the people, same thing. Other people, like, you know, do things or, like, you know, watch stuff while listening or something. No, I have well, just, actually, all I'm doing, it's just blank time. If you want a good thing to do while listening to a podcast, we did something similar but with uh, a Stephen King book, and it was... Uh, an audio book. Yeah, we played Euro Truck Simulator 2 while listening to an <laughs> audio book. Yeah, okay, right. that sounds good. We're, we're like cultured truckers. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, um, I I confess when I have to, when I when I have to when I listen to uh, Square Waves, <laughs> I have to set aside a chunk of time. And usually, what I just what I do is I just lie in my bed, but then I fall asleep and I have to go back and oh. like re-listen to parts later. Oh yeah, we we strive to make people catatonic. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's not because it's not because it's boring. It's just because when I get in bed, I fall asleep. That's why I can't read in bed. Yeah, this is not a good bedtime podcast. 
That seems like a really valuable like genre of things, though, is like things to do while listening to and paying attention to something else. I like mm. the idea of a like Euro truck simulator. There have also been times when I've pulled up like Proteus or something and just kind of like wander around the island <laughs> while listening to a podcast or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I only listen to podcasts really while I'm commuting to and from work because what else am I concentrating on? It's hard yeah. to it's hard to fill your the time. Yeah, drivers here in Toronto. Yeah, I try not to concentrate on those. It, it's it's hard and and precious to find some activity that takes a good portion of your time that you can fill up with like two activities at once. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess a nice podcast idea is like recommended game pairing, like what mm. minimal like you know low attention <laughs> background occupation game can you play while listening to. This podcast. That's cool. You're like a farming simulator. You're like, yeah, you're like a podcast sommelier. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm all about I'm all about curated experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know why that reminds me of. Have you heard Brenda Romero's talk, uh, Jiro Dreams of Game Design from GDC a couple of years ago? I think so. Um, which, what was the content of this? She was, um, she uh, had visited a three-star Michelin. Uh, oh, is this based uh, similar to the documentary, Jiro Dreams of Sushi? Yeah, that's right. So that, that was a documentary movie by a guy, Jiro something, I forget his, his full name, a Japanese uh, sushi chef who had three Michelin stars. And he's like 86 years old and has been making nothing but sushi for like 72 years of his life. Um, and so Brenda and John Romero visit this, uh, a different, uh, three Michelin star rated restaurant and kind of come up with, uh, how it was a metaphor for game design. The fact that not only was the food extremely delicious, but it was very presentable. And not only that, but like when the waiters would come by, um, if there were four people sitting at the table, four waiters would come and they would all place plates down in front of people all at the exact same time. So it was an entirely curated experience from the first time you step inside to the moment you leave and how that was a great metaphor for game design and leading the player through this entire experience. It's all about user experience design. It was a terrific, very uh, motivational, uh, very inspiring talk. She's a terrific speaker, Brenda Romero. Yeah, I think I missed that talk, but I'll have to uh, look it up because, yeah, I have definitely enjoyed other talks she's given. And that that sounds right up my alley. I'll put it in the show notes. I'm, I'm all about, like, you know, like I said, like, I, I set the scene when I play a game. It's like, oh, can I light some candles? Like, what's the, the correct, like, beverage pairing with this game I'm about to play? Like, <laughs> oh, is it a rainy evening? We need a rainy evening game, like. Yeah, that sure. kind of thing. <laughs> Doritos or cheesies? What does this game feel like? <laughs> well, if you're eating cheesies, you do need chopsticks. So you eat a game that you can use chopsticks with one hand and then navigate with your uh, other. That's right. I don't eat them anymore, but it was perfect to play point-and-click adventure games when you're eating cheesies because it makes one of your hands real filthy, so you need to play with only a one-handed game. <laughs> and that was, that was so annoying when I was playing those, you know, hundred and... 70 hours of Dragon Age Inquisition because the other Dragon Ages you could play like all mouse driven but you had to use the, the keyboard for the last one it's like I can't eat and drink while I'm playing this oh, it sucks interesting. <laughs> um, you mentioned briefly uh, audio logs and journals which I think is probably something good for us to talk about because that's one means of conveying a story and that's like traditional 
storytelling where you kind of stop the story to uh, to uh, give a little bit of uh, of uh, uh, backstory. Uh, yeah, there you go. Exposition is the word that I'm trying to think of. Do you yes. can you guys think of any exceptional examples of of a game stopping to give you like a block of exposition? Well, I liked it in uh, Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, Bioshock Infinite has the has the different audio logs. Yeah, and then I know that Doom Three had it. Yeah, Doom Three didn't do a bad job of that either. It had both emails that you receive to yourself, and uh, you pick up emails uh, addressed to other people, and there were also like personal audio yes. journals to themselves. That's right, which was similar as well. I think before Bioshock Infinite, there was um, System Shock. Two, I think that actually had spoken audio logs that was also made by Ken Levine. So he kind of kept kept running in that direction with that thing. Oh, and there was also, I wouldn't necessarily call them audio logs that you pick up, but you kind of get audio snippet in Gone Home. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good example, too, where um, those are sort of things that are, like, remembered. But I don't know, what what is it exactly? You just, They just sort of pop up in the middle of thin air. And you're not really clear on whether the protagonist is aware of these things being. I think the spoken. idea is because isn't at the end where you find the journal or the diary that the sister left for her. Oh, so it's kind of retrospective. So it's it's kind of like, yeah, retrospective diary entries where she's thinking back on going through the house and finding all these things and kind of assigning the, mm. the uh, entries to these things that she finds. I didn't think of that. I quite like I, that, actually. Mm-hmm. I literally just thought of that. It just occurred to me right now. I really like it, the sound of that, actually. Yeah, it doesn't It doesn't really... It's not really explained where it's coming from until you realize that you find the book at the end. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, one game that I want to... I've, I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but uh, one game that I think does a really good job of this, of all games, is Myst. Because... Uh, Mist, the concept of Mist is sort of like an allegory for game design in general, where uh, the main person, uh, the main like creator of worlds, Atris is his name, he creates worlds by writing descriptions of them in a book. He has this special power where he can create a universe by just writing all the details about it. And just oh, like, sounds like Inform. Yeah, it does, as a matter very, of fact. Very much. That does sound very much like it. I, I was debating whether or not to bring up Mist because that's, to me, that's sort of like the proto game where you get the story by, you know, reading sort of all the backstory and history in these journals that are left lying around. Yeah, well, um, environmentally. I hope Richard Hobbit doesn't listen to this oh, podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm a big fan of the Mist series, <laughs> yeah, and I know that. that uh, Many people do not share my esteem for the series. Um, I like it but too. I, I actually was like, um, like read all of the like companion novels and everything too. And oh I, yeah, Book of Atris I read. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, uh, the others. Um, actually, some of the others are like even like Book of Downey is like pretty neat too. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so. So the funny thing is that, um, you know, there's such a huge, deep backstory in, like, all of these novels and everything, but, you know, they, they sort of just, like, came up with it on the fly. Like, they created the world first. They basically just drew a bunch of maps and then and then wrote the story in and, um, and then, like, retconned a bunch of stuff later and then filled in like with the novels like the whole big backstory but like Uh, a lot of it kind of wasn't there from the beginning and it is kind of a case of like 
slapping a narrative onto like something you've already built to sort of fit it. Okay. Um, like the whole idea of like the prison books that like Cyrus and Akinar are imprisoned in, like, you know, in the game it's like, oh, you know, these these are like linking books that don't go to anywhere, so they're like trapped in the void, like, you know, in this like prison book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like so the thing about Cyan is that they have this whole like meta narrative where they're like, Oh yeah, Cyan is a company that made this video game based on like the real history of Dunny and like this ancient civilization that was lost. And like, they made the game based on it. And actually there's no such thing really as a prison book. Like that's just, you don't say (laughs) my mind is blown. (laughs) They're like that. That was just like a convenient thing for the game because it's actually another whole age. That's a prison age, but we didn't want to reward the player by giving them an entire age to explore after, Mm. you know, if they like chose to free one of the brothers. So for the game, we like invented the idea of the prison book. Right. Um, And they, and they had like, you know, like with um, Uru live, like missed online game, you know, the like, Mm. Yeah, it's like for like two seconds. You are you. Yep. It's like set in the real world about the people that like journeyed to the desert to sort of explore the the actual like, you know, underground caves that were there that like this, you know, company was like restoring. Mm-hmm. Um and that, you know, the people from Cyan who made the game based on it were like characters in the world and stuff. So All I remember from the the demo that I played of that game was that it had a pretty good character creator that I got to sort of look like me and then I found a fat guy in a trailer who was listening to Peter Gabriel and then I fell down a hole and that was it. <laughs> That was only the beginning. That's the greatest oh, well. story ever told. Well, every story has a beginning and an end. And a middle and then a late middle and then yeah. a part somewhere near the early beginning no, middle, no, no, but no, not you're... quite. I just listened to that monologue in Dreamfall chapters. Yeah, I know. That's what we make fun of because they always go on with that. And it's just like every story has a beginning and an end. <laughs> Shut the hell up narrator person that's not true that's even better when you say that in your spaceman in space voice <laughs> <laughs> that is what that was wasn't it yeah i just replayed oh, that i love that freaking game the voices right, were please. just <laughs> oh, right, right. oh prof, prof galactic anyway <laughs> <laughs> well what i wanted to say Hi, about Robert so, Ducky. Yeah, that, that was a long diversion about sort of like free association about <laughs> mist and their approach to story and world building and meta narratives. Oh yeah. Well what I wanted to add to that actually yeah, was just about the very yeah, first anyway the, the original point was that they were Oh, go ahead. Oh in in the uh, original first Mist game, so I mentioned about how Atris creates these worlds by writing down the details in a book. But the books that you find and can read in the in the game are not those books. They're actually journals that he wrote about his experiences from visiting his own worlds. And what I really like about those, like to your point about uh, them sort of winging it and writing stuff about the levels that they had already created, he writes about um, the world as it was when it was perfect. And then he writes about these little miscalculations that he had when he was creating the world and how that causes some sort of turmoil or tumultuous effect in the world, which changes the world in some way. So for example, there's one age in the first mist called the stone ship age. And that in that uh, world, he talks about, uh, or yeah, when you visit that world, there's a ship and it's like split in half by this big mountain that seems to have grown out of the water and like destroyed the ship. So there's half the ship and a bunch of mountain and then the other half of the ship. And in the, the journal that you read, you talk about how the 
he talks about how the ship was intact and he made a friendship with some guy. And then the guy became really afraid because he heard a rumbling in the ocean and the mountain came up out of the ocean and cracked the ship in two or whatever. So it's, I'm not telling it as eloquently as they talk about in the books. But the books themselves, I, I appreciate that they're sort of like the gonzo journalism, first person, real time account <laughs> of uh, what it's like to visit your own age and how you get some detail wrong and it changes things. And now you're stuck uh, dealing with the consequences of that. And that's the current state of that age. I think that's very cool. Yeah. And I really enjoyed, you know, finding those little stories and sitting and, you know, reading them and then sort of using that history to make sense of what I was looking at in front of me. And I mean, eventually it all came down to like finding the coordinates or the markers or the symbols to like, you know, punch in the numbers to the thing and change the thing. But mm-hmm. at the end, well, it's sort of moral choice. It asks you to, you know, make this choice, like based on what you've learned and what you've read, like, who do you trust? What do you do? Mm-hmm. I, I failed, of course. Is the statute of, limita- statute of limitations on spoilers on uh, Mist expired? I, I haven't played Mist, and even oh. I know what the spoiler is. <laughs> Go for it. Isn't the spoiler that both the sons are evil and they tricked you? So either one that you free, they're like, ha, 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 you fell for it. Now you get trapped in the book. They are yeah. pretty cackly about it. So, yes, that was a very yeah. accurate description. See, I, I picked I picked Akinar. I figured that he was like just gaslighted and misunderstood, and you know, Me Sirius too. is obviously evil. But I'm like, oh no, Akinar is just like, you know, he just needs some love, and he didn't really. He's not such a bad guy. Yeah, but nope, he's a crazy prick. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Atris and Catherine are really terrible parents. So. Yeah, they are, aren't they? I feel like I feel like I've just been listening to you talk, you two talk about like this weird family that I never want to meet, and I just I'm just like, what? I don't know. Hey, <laughs> Bianca, how about those that keyboard? <laughs> it's mesmerizing, let me tell you. I have it, so it's not cycling right now because all the colors are in the are in the perfect spot. Okay. And believe it or not, that reminds me of one of the journals you find in Mist. Which I forget what the story was, but Stop talking about this. all of a sudden, uh, the 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 ink that he uses to draw to uh, write the characters starts changing color, and then the the colors of the oh, words yeah, are like rainbow colored. Yeah, it's such a creative means of storytelling. I love that. And then, like two chapters later, or something the author's like, "Oh, I just turned back in the page and I noticed that my ink is changing color. I guess it's because of this and that." Sorry, that's like maybe that's enough mist. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yes, please. Let's move on. Let's yes. move on. I'm sure Mist is a lovely game. I haven't played it yet, and I know yeah. I should add it to my two playlist. But yeah, I think you own it. growing as I listen, as uh, we do this podcast. I've oh, already yeah. added Sinister City and uh, some other, and a couple of other things. I didn't have Bioshock well, Two on there. <laughs> Sinister City, you can finish it in like ninety minutes, so it's not too much of an investment to play. Oh, but, it's not, uh, except uh, you don't have Brian sitting next to you making snarky <laughs> comments and sniggering at the dialogue. Oh, like man, you're going to love City City Oh, wicked. Uh, I can't <laughs> play half these games without him making fun of it. And it just I, I just sit there going, okay, are you done yet? Do you want to hear the description of Sinister City? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Oh, you did tell me about this at one point. I did tell you about this because it's amazing. Oh, let's hear it. Hang on, I have to look it up quick. Talk about something else. Who uh, would want their? Who would want to name their their town Sinister City? 
Vampires, of course. When John discovers his bride-to-be has been kidnapped by the sinister city number one bloodsucker, there's only one thing to do. Search for hidden objects and kill vampires. Or at least insult them until they give you your girl back. <laughs> that doesn't even begin to do justice to the absurdity of the plot of this game. I think we're going to have fun with this. So perplexing puzzles. It's, the, it's one of the... Uh, is one of the catch one of the taglines that I want to pop up in this video. It says defeat the evil vampires, and there was a picture of like a puzzle where you're rotating a piece around. <laughs> oh, yeah, basically. Am I old enough to play this rated R Gorefest? <laughs> I think you are. Yes. Sinister City. Okay. There's a character that dresses up like a vampire Teletubby. <laughs> Okay, well, I look forward to uh, giving Bianca an earful about the moment-to-moment as she yeah, plays this. All right, I wanted to mention another game which uh, tells story in an interesting way. That would be Her Story. Oh, that's a good one. Has, have we all played oh, Her yes. Story? So th- this is a yes. this yep. is a fascinating mm-hmm. exercise in storytelling, I think, just because mm-hmm. the story is told. It's like a, it's basically like a movie that you kind of have to unlock little by little by trying to think of keywords that the uh, interviewee may have said. So you do a search, and if the interviewee has said that word, then that video clip appears in the search. Um, And uh, so essentially you get told this like two-hour or so story in a different order than any other player will have experienced it. And there are different time periods, and there are different... uh, there, there are different instances where the story kind of uh, takes a different direction because of some bit of information that's been revealed. So depending on the order that you see it, you kind of draw certain conclusions and make certain assumptions, which eventually will get disproven or confirmed. And suddenly you'll kind of see the whole story in a new light, but at a different uh, rate, at a different uh, time than any other player will have uncovered that stuff. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, but even with those individual differences, there are sort of, you know, general patterns to the reveals and discoveries. And just the the idea that you can, like, build twists and, you know, sort of plot shifts into a story where you can experience the parts of it, you know, in almost like random access order, mm-hmm. I thought was, like, really brilliant. Like, you know, the I think this one we probably shouldn't spoil, which makes it hard to talk about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the first, the first like big realization that makes you want to go back and listen to the clips you've already found is like just really impressive. I thought, wow, like mm. just like I had to stop for a moment and like be impressed by the craft. Didn't you play me a song that was really creepy that was similar to the song that she sings in that oh, yeah. game about the... Actually, I have yeah. a copy of the song, and I made Brian, and I told... I'm like, oh, I recognize that song. Yeah, it was like an Irish folk song or something. Yeah, yeah. So we have it by Clannad. And I told him, oh, yeah, it's really creepy. The sister kills the other sister. And it's really, even more fun is that um, there's like they there's actually another person that's killed in the story for being an equally as insidious bastard because he takes the sister's gold ring and mm. uh, the older one's boiled in lead. <laughs> oh, so that was a really neat extra thing for me then because Bianca and I played the game together and I've told so many people like if you have a, a good friend or a significant other, this is like the ideal game, I think, to play with even a non-gamer just because mm-hmm. of how much uh, conversation it can cultivate. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was awesome that Bianca was familiar with this old uh, European folk song, and that kind of gave us an, an additional dimension of enjoyment out of that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there's another um, another song that's like another version of the same story um, that reminded me of. There's a version by Lorena McKennett. Uh, oh yeah, Funny Swans. It's not the same song exactly, but it's the same story. Yeah, um, and and it's yes. just as creepy. Mm-hmm. Yes, because it's like, hey, it's those aren't very- dead ladies; they're just swans. Let's make instruments out of them, yeah. though. Yeah, it's also very creepy. Mm-hmm. The it's also just like you know, it's like an old folk ballad, but it's really weird. Like this, the story changes from the beginning to the end. Like it starts out with you know the a miller's daughter with like you know with like two sisters and then at the end she's like a princess and she's like the <laughs> daughter of the king and it's like wait did mm-hmm. you forget what happened just like three stanzas ago yeah. so it's got that weird like shifting ground kind of like fairy tale logic to it it's but, an mm-hmm. unreliable narrator in a song mm-hmm. which is interesting it is hmm. so yeah. is there more to be said about that game uh, probably, yeah, um, probably. <laughs> but not a whole lot without spoiling it I don't think yeah. that's true well yeah. let's not spoil it because I really want to encourage our listeners after they played the Wajidai games on sale <laughs> yeah well, play in her 30 story. years when the statute of limitations has expired we can talk about her story yeah that's right mm-hmm. although in the FMV style there is also contradictions Oh, contradiction? Did that tell a very good story, though? That was really all over the place. It was all over the place, but it was oh. an interesting approach. There's another FMV game. Yeah. Was that the one with the that weird English guy detective? That this that, whole the whole game is full of weird English guys. <laughs> oh, that, that guy yes. was way too that happy. Great. I have to admit, I'm not familiar with this one. Tell me about contradictions. Yeah, we tried to download it at Mittens because we were trying. We were bored and we were looking for something. Mittens being the AGS gathering, we were hanging out in New Orleans and we were bored. Oddly enough, in the oh, middle of the you day, bored? Imagine we were like, that. What's that? Oh, you were bored. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so we were like, let's find a game, and we looked up contradictions and watched the trailer, and it looked really odd, but. It was also like five gigabytes, and we didn't want to download it, so mm-hmm. we did. But yeah, it looks it looks weird. Um, it's um as a game spot the liar. It's kind of it's not the best uh, design in terms of gameplay. It's made by a filmmaker and not a game designer. The cinematography yeah. is gorgeous. The settings are gorgeous. The writing yeah. is like snappy and kind of witty, and the characters are quirky, and it's kind of slapped together a little bit, but. Mm-hmm. It's. I felt like it was time well spent. Just if for nothing else than the cinematography and to see how the game was put together and like you walk around in this very attractive little uh, like English town, Is it English or Wales or something like that. English Hamlet. Hmm. Thank you, the Hamlet. Word, the word Hamlet makes me hungry. We're looking Hamlet. at the trailer now. I have to say it is about the best cinematography of any FMV game I can remember ever it's seeing. Beautiful it's cinematography. Like we went the washing machine. <laughs> yeah, you can. And, you can tell. That this is more of a cinematographer than a uh, game developer. And I think I've listened to the like the soundtrack. I forget it's an MP3 or AUG format or something. I think I've listened to it like ten times since I played the game. It's a beautiful kind of piano-y orchestral soundtrack. Mm-hmm. You could buy it for nothing but the soundtrack and get your money's worth. Oh, you uh, get the soundtrack along with Sinister City, and that's a great soundtrack too. Oh, good. <laughs> it's not beautiful, but it's definitely catchy. <laughs> okay. We'll see whether that's uh, an experience I want to relive once I've done I'm done lambasting it. Yeah, fair enough. So yeah, oh, contradictions, all right. If you like FMV games, and we're sort of getting back into it, 
in the HD age, it's kind of a fun curiosity to revisit. But you can do worse than contradiction. Hmm. How's that for a shining, glowing? <laughs> well, anyway. I'm sold. I'll have to play that. Hmm. I'm having trouble saying <laughs> something is shining and glowing when I'm looking at this freaking <laughs> keyboard. Nothing shines and glows as much as the bloody, what do I call it, a douche board? <laughs> you got a glimmering douche board. It's, <laughs> it's a Technicolor dream coat. <laughs> Um, uh, yours is so bland in comparison. I know. I wanted to say one thing, by the way, before we let her story go. Um, a, a few episodes we were talking about scary games and horror games, and I made the comment how difficult it is to have an open-world horror game. Uh, the game Alan Wake by Remedy was originally going uh, to yes. be an open-world game, and I love that game. I think that's a very silly story, but I th I, it's very well told. I love that game like crazy. But um, that was originally going to be an open-world game, and they decided, amongst other reasons, not to make it open-world because you can't really control pacing of a story being told, and pacing is so important in, ho in horror. But yeah. uh, that was done so well somehow in her story the pacing is just right, perhaps because it's such a short game. But even the fact that you don't hear the story chronologically, it's it's still rewarding in its reveals. Mm -hmm. So, boy, is that a well-designed well, game. I'm just looking here on Steam and uh, up for the sale. Uh, there's a game that's featured called The Forest, which is billed as a open-world survival horror game. Well, survival horror is different that's, from yeah, horror horror. True. But do I have this? That sounds familiar. It's an early access game, apparently. Mm. I do not have it. Mm. And it's on sale for twelve seventy four. I I tend to avoid early access games because I can't even manage to play most games within like ten years after they're released. <laughs> so like, uh, I'll I'll just I would get it now and still not get to play it for years and years. So. True enough. Oh, I'm looking at the forest. This is like indicative of this plague that's on Steam right now of these like open world survival games where you just run you run around and you craft and you chop enemies it's the same as dying light it's the same as minecraft there's a million of these games right now rust. they have no story rust is another like one rust? Uh, that's why yeah. i as much i swear even the craftiest shooters at least have more story than this crap than this garbage well they have no these ones have no story they're just open sandboxes mm-hmm mm -hmm. Well, hey, well, since we're mentioning open sandboxes, because I know Francisco is a Grand Theft Auto player, maybe we could say a few words about that series. Oh, that's oh, a good I'm one. I'm just looking at Grand Theft Auto V's on sale for $35.99. Oh, that's not a bad price at all. Yeah. I just finished Grand Theft Auto V for the second time a few weeks ago. and uh, I've already played it once up? through. How did it hold up? Yeah. It's okay. I think the stories are getting worse in that series. Yeah. The cinematography the is getting better. The acting is getting better, I guess, but the stories are just The game mechanics are definitely getting better. The There's, mechanics are much better, especially the driving mechanics. Well, the, yeah, controlling your character is better, but it used to be more of it used to be more of a sandboxy open world where like in Vice City or in San Andreas, if you knew that a cutscene was going to happen that there's going to be a getaway, you could like steal a bunch of cars and block off like and park them in front of the street that you knew the ne in the next cutscene oh, yeah. someone would be running away. You can't really do that anymore because it's so tightly scripted now. Yeah, that's true. I never even thought about that. Yeah, I used to try to do like non-standard solutions to uh, things like that. But now it's like the you can do the same mission 10 times and the getaway car that you're chasing follows the exact same path and the same traffic yeah. comes every time. So, I mean, it's better curated that way. It's better, it's better linear storytelling. It's just less of a sandbox, which means that it's going to work. It's not going to be random and buggy like an Elder Scrolls kind of a game, I suppose. 
I guess. True, but I suppose it wouldn't be random and buggy if you actually followed the story. Well, it's that's the difficult balance is between something that's an open world sandbox and there being a story. Like for example, in the Elder Story, in the Elder Scrolls, you'll take fourteen quests, and one of those quests you'll get halfway through, and the guy, the quest giver, will be like, "Okay, we're going to do the end of the quest now. I'll meet you in this basement. Come meet me in five minutes." And you come back 74 days later, and there he is. He's like, okay, good. I've been waiting for this. Let's do it. And he's like, that's the tough thing for me in any kind of like RPG that's like quest based or especially like, like the, the quest. It's like, oh no, this person is kidnapped. They're in peril. We have to race here and do this. Oh or no, they're can... raping and pillaging the women. Let's go save just 10 women. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or I can do 100 hours of side quests first. That's right. Hang on. I got to pick these posies. Excuse me. I'm going to go raid Chain Hall and kill all the guards. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, that's a good that's a good example of storytelling versus freedom. They are, they're kind of at opposite ends. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I guess, like, um, you know, going to my most recent experience, like Dragon Age, like Inquisition has this sort of narrative of like, oh, we have to build up our strength and like, you know, become this powerful, like, you know, organization. So all the side quests like sort of build towards that. But everyone's like, oh man, that Corypheus guy, like he's right there, like running out of time. We got to kill him. Yeah, yeah. I have five areas on the map I haven't even visited yet. Even though we're the most powerful organization on Earth that like rivals all the other nations, states, the entire continent. Like I, I still feel like we have to, you know, save a few more farmers to build up our reputation for. Uh-huh. Not to mention, yeah, you've like amassed all this incredible equipment and power and stuff and you'll invariably still find quests. Oh my my cat is hungry. Can you go <laughs> to the store and get me a magical can opener? <laughs> yeah it's like I, I don't know like the the sort of trivial nature of a lot of side quests never really bothered me that much but just the fact that the story didn't allow me space where i feel like this is what i should be worrying about now or that like it makes sense for me to attend to these things it's kind of the same thing with the batman games like i just i played through arkham knight recently and like the whole plot of Arkham Knight is that, oh no, Gotham City is being overrun by these mysterious mechanical drones and Scarecrow is threatening to, you know, uh, poison the, the populace, even though it's all criminals, conveniently. He's, he's, he's threatening to unleash his fear toxin on Gotham and the entire East Coast. And, oh, then there's this Arkham Knight who's, like, terrorizing thing, everybody and wants to kill Batman, but... Oh, hang on! I need to go solve the Riddler's riddles and do a racetrack in the mm-hmm. middle of all this. And oh, wait! But maybe I should find these bombs. And and oh, I have. A, I mean, I understand that Batman has a lot of things to do, but Batman's not really a multitasker. He needs to deal with the <laughs> threat at hand. Yeah, I I do just want to say that I am a favor of small stakes. And maybe you know an RPG that was kind of all small stakes, like you know improve your neighborhood like you know help you know Hmm. think think global act local like you know turn turn this little village into like a really nice place and like you know help everybody with their with their missing pets and their you know bringing in and everything but you know and just yeah like side quest the game (laughs) (laughs) that's a fantastic idea like why can't an rpg have the courage 
to forego the stupid worst part of the game, which is the main overarching storyline? Why can't it just be kind of like a slice of life sort of a thing where you do have this general objective, which you accomplish by doing these small tasks that you'd be which doing is, I guess, anyway? I guess I feel like I probably just described Harvest Moon, but yeah, yeah still like more... More, more the role-playing part of an RPG where you are like a person in specific limited circumstances. You don't have superpowers. You're not like the savior of the universe where you're playing a role other than like, you know. But you're still big shot, mighty like, knight you know, shining armor or everything. battle mage. Yeah, why can't we have Animal Crossing with uh, zombies and shotguns? <laughs> Actually, I think I probably just answered my own question. <laughs> Isn't Mr. Resetti kind of a zombie? He comes out of the ground. <laughs> he's not a zombie. He's like, <laughs> is he supposed to be undead? I thought he was just like some big oh, I don't know. He's hamster a mole, gopher. <laughs> yeah, mole, there you go. Mm. <laughs> well, he should be a zombie. He comes out and he's like, you didn't save your game. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just give him like a Brooklyn accent? I can, I can dig that. Hey, you didn't save your game. I'm a zombie. Hey. <laughs> okay, that was disturbing. That was like the Ray, Li- Ray Liotta plays Mr. Rossetti. Yoda? Ray Liotta. Oh, Ray Liotta. Well, it's better than Abe Vigoda. <laughs> I suppose. How about Abe Goldfarb does Mr. Rossetti? <laughs> yeah. You didn't they- save the game. Hold blue. <laughs> <laughs> That's me doing a voice. I'm never, I promise never to do that again. I can't even that, begin. That, that, that was a good Abe Goldfarb. Yeah, My I can't goodness. Even begin to do an Abe Goldfarb impersonation, <laughs> except I've been told that I think Chris said that uh, for a long time he couldn't tell the difference between me and Abe Goldfarb. He thought that I played Joey. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> oddly enough. <laughs> Joey's <laughs> voice is better than this. Than what? <laughs> than this? Yeah. Than this Obviously, thing happening yeah. in real time? Yeah, exactly. Go, uh, Abe Goldfarb is way has a much better sounding voice. I can listen to him talk all day. He does have a good voice. I'll give you that. <laughs> hey, if you if you want to hear good voices, listen to any of our episodes with Francisco Gonzalez on it. Besides, oh. I seem to recall a certain current co-host of this show, like fanning herself in swooning while uh, Ben Chandler Sweetin Sweetin was being uh, well, melodiously between listening to someone talk and listening to someone sing because the voice changes when someone is singing oh. which is often well, why well, even I'm, if someone has laryngitis and can't normally talk they can sing because you're not using the vocal it uses a different part of the vocal cord well if you're disappointed by the fact <laughs> that ordinary speaking voices are not as entertaining as uh, professional acting jobs then you may have a lifetime of disappointment ahead of you so it's, <laughs> I, well, was, I, I obviously didn't set my bar high enough by married you <laughs> Jeez. I was also putting on a comedy accent for that song, so yes, there's that. <laughs> we just we want to really choke like this. <laughs> we just watched Crocodile Dundee yesterday, so you're oh, welcome to talk no. like that all day if you wish. We're in the mood. Of course not. We've already established that you really talk like Cedric. Oh, that's right. Of course. Oh yeah, that's right. That's my natural voice. Okay, uh, just putting it out there. What if Cedric was Australian? Who? Who said that's your that's your cue, Francisco. <laughs> What's your grief? What's in Thank you for being uh, big-hearted enough to uh, to uh, succumb to my terrible whims. Well, listen, Jess has heard me sing karaoke in Cedric's voice. So. <laughs>
Okay, well, we won't ask that much of you. Firm again. Oh, yeah. I just gotten rid of it after <laughs> months and months. <laughs> oh, I promise I won't ask quite that much of you. You're a, you're a king among men for doing that Australian centric. Thank well, you, Francis. Got on Twitter too, so it's really not a long time ago. So it's not. Anyway, it's no secret. <laughs> um, anyway, do you, do you guys have any uh, stories? Crocky, where... Grandma, keep the room. Now I can't stop. <laughs> I like playing DOS games. <laughs> oh, sweet! Exploration is king. <laughs> 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 Bumper sticker. Oh, he's going to kill me next time I talk to him. Anyway. <laughs> Poor Ben. We're really giving him the business this podcast, aren't we? Uh, I guess we, need to, we do give, need to give him an episode where he can come back and uh, stand up for himself. Yeah, really. And then we can make fun of him again for his sweet tins. <laughs> then ultimately we'll have Ben and Francisco as our guests at the same time and they can duke it out once and for all. And then we'll, we'll go th- into a uh, duel, and then we'll sit here and laugh maniacally. That's basically what our podcast is, isn't it? We have them both on separately, goading each other into a duel. <laughs> We're going to cause a rift in a terrible friendship at this rate. This sounds like um, this sounds like mist. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me put you in the the linking book. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't trust either of you enough. I'll go to Jess yeah. and give her the white page. <laughs> What the hell are we talking about anymore? I don't know. So how about we get back on topic? Uh, do you guys have games? All oh, right, yeah. Do you have games? Do you guys have any uh, shining examples of storytelling that you'd like to expound upon? So I really like the way that they handled the backstory in God of War, even though God of War became a terribly repetitive series. Like the very first one, you're playing this anti-hero who is tormented by his Oh, past. anti-hero, my favorite. I yeah, love her. And, but as you go through the game, like, you reach... <laughs> you're a ridiculous <laughs> woman. Something? Yes, never mind. Okay. We all did. Well, anyway, you're, you're playing through this game and you're, like, killing everything. But then you get to certain points and it kind of gives you little bits of the story. And so by the time you get to the end, you're like, oh, crap, this guy really is messed up. This whole reason that he's doing all these terrible things is there is a reason for it. And that, that was kind of an, an interesting... I mean... Granted, it came out in 2005, so at the time, that was kind of a new... Well, it was a novel thing at the time. Now, you know, plenty of games have copied that and done the same thing. But at the time, it was it seemed pretty innovative. So I'm not following entirely. You mean that they, through the storytelling, they give some kind of justification for why this big, burly Beardo guy is swinging around his fire chains? Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it's basically... Yeah, it paints him as more of a sympathetic character rather than just like, oh, he's a big burly beardo guy who's swinging around fire chains i sympathize with big burly beardos do you (laughs) only if there's a good story i guess okay well god of war's got a decent story (laughs) it's sort of in like the greek mythological like great grand tragedy sort of a style isn't it yeah exactly and then of course you know with the sequels it became more of the same and it was like i I want revenge! And Again. Like, you should have gotten revenge three games ago. What's wrong with you? Relax. It's kind of hard to sympathize with him after all that, huh? Yeah, and when he just starts screaming, Zeus! That's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> every single vowel in the word. <laughs> so. All right. How, how is the story told, though? Is it just in, like... Oh, uh, it's just pretty much in flashback. Oh, and of course you have Linda Hunt as the narrator telling the story. So that's a that's a good um, bonus. 
I don't know who that is. Uh, did you ever see Kindergarten Cop? Yes. She's the little tiny principal lady. Oh, okay. She's got a great voice. Yes, she and does. She's like, wow. I'm so Kratos went into the thing. And there was... that sounds like Bill Cosby, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and so Kratos went into the pudding. <laughs> this is just an excuse for me to be stupid. Oh, you're looking at me. You, only you can see the face that Jess is looking at me now with and shaking your head. <laughs> But anyway, she does this whole big epic narration where it's like, you know, she talks about Kratos and all his struggles and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know what I'm saying. Someone else talk. <laughs> well, I guess we could, oh, before we go into uh, one of our favorite topics in games for stories. Mm-hmm. Um, how, what about Facade? Oh, have oh. you guys played Facade? Yes. Mm-hmm. I love Facade. Now, what an interesting exercise in storytelling this game is. This mm. I've never... Interesting is probably a good a good non-evaluative word for it, I suppose. It's a unique experience. It's so unique, and I have such phenomenally great respect for this game. Would anyone like to uh, take on the, the, the monumental task of uh, describing this game? Okay, I can. Go for it, babe. Essentially, this game starts with no interface and no indication of what you need to do it's it's a it is a graphical it has a graphic had no inter, you use your interface to speak of but it is but it is graphical you essentially type in the actions you want to do to different and so well not quite you you type what you want to say you can click on things if you want to interact with oh them. right right you type what you want to say and you can click if you want to interact. So your first action is going to be to knock on the door. Or your other action can be just not to go in at all. Or you can just stand at the door and listen to your lovely host, bigger, like a couple of little insignificant juvenile turd burgers. (laughs) (laughs) This is a very poetic description of the video game. I was just waiting for one of Bianca's patented uh, (laughs) swear chains. (laughs) I hope you weren't disappointed. No, I wasn't. Third burgers. Judgmental description. Well, I mean, to be fair, they are. Their names are Trip and Grace, for God's sakes. Who names their kid Trip? Trip, I don't know, someone tripping balls? (laughs) (laughs) That's how you were conceived, Trip. Yeah, because I say, Mom tripped on the dad. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay, well, I feel better educated about how the game is played now. Yeah, so basically, you 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 ha- you're the you you direct ha- where in what direction the narrative goes. The narrative is all there, but what plays out depends on your input more than anything. You can have very little input or a lot of input, and that determines your the outcome. Okay, what kind of input? Textual input to the dialogue. Like you can determine, you know, are you the peacekeeper? Are you the shit disturber? Or are you just plays their marriage counselor? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or your instigator. <laughs> Didn't I just My... say shit disturber? There you go. <laughs> My favorite thing to do became quickly became how quickly could I get thrown out of their apartment? That's uh-huh. Brian's favorite thing too. And well, it became to... my favorite thing. I played it seriously many, many times. And yeah, same. Yeah. But after a while, you know, when once you get past the serious stuff, then you start seeing how you can break the toy. That's right. I like seeing how many hugs and kisses I can get away with on both party members. Before. Grope. 
That's the high score table. Oh, that, that's the high score table. How many kisses before oh. ejection? Yeah. And uh, how many kisses can you plant on the opposite sex? Yeah, exactly. Or even the same, same sex. sex. Yeah, the kiss, kiss both hosts. That's that's when you get your all dogs go to heaven achievement. That's when you really lose your virginity. Ooh. <laughs> and that'll really pop your cherry. <laughs> That's the thing. I never really try to break my games that way. I always, I, I generally always like play it straight. So uh, respectful. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I try, I try and save all the puppies and orphans. And, you know. mm-hmm. Let someone else save the, the puppies. Take the puppies. The puppy into the river. Red pillage. Murder. I don't do that that much. Like I, once in a while, I'll be like, oh, I'm gonna have the like, you know. The, the like badass like renegade playthrough or like where I'm gonna say mean things or I'm just not gonna care what anybody thinks and and I, inevitably I always find myself slipping up and being like oh you don't say oh yeah that that sounds like Aww. yeah you, you go that's all oh, fine I'll go what a grave injustice you suffered that that really sucks I'm uh. gonna I'm gonna see what I can do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I get I get absorbed. I guess I have like some people are like, oh yeah, I'm gonna unleash all of my like you know reckless, like destructive, like chaotic behavior. And I'm oh, like, that's what I did with Fallout. I'm gonna make this world a better place. When I decided to do my Caesar's Legion playthrough, I just made it a horrible, horrible place, and I was a terrible, evil man. <laughs> so I, I tried to find out, you know, who was. Who is in the right and like make them happy and you know make peace and mm-hmm. yeah I forget how it went <laughs> badly out. I don't remember oh right <laughs> well what I really appreciate about that is that I don't know there's like twenty or so different uh, topics that can come up or different scenarios that can play out and you'll see like eight of them or so in one playthrough so there's replayability and there's like a sense of randomness and. Mm-hmm. You you can play it a few times and have different outcomes entirely. Yeah. So I, I I like also that even though your intervention does affect in some way what's going to happen, sometimes the right thing to do is to just do nothing and let them talk. So you kind of have to show restraint as well. I'm sure that it's like a – I'm sure that it, there's like very rigid rules and some kind of shallowness behind it, but it does a phenomenally good job when you take it seriously of like being like an earnest kind of thing that you can participate in. It yeah. seems like – it seems like something that that uh, cares that you're there. Yeah, that is a really they impressive care that you're system. There, but I don't. <laughs> it's a very impressive system. I, I I pitched them five bucks, which gave me uh, their like design notes, sort of a thing, and like all of the prompts for everything you could possibly say. And I stopped short of reading that part because I there's just so much pleasure in being surprised by those experiences. Mm-hmm. But it's basically like a decision tree. Yeah. But if you ever want it spoiled horribly, just search for it on YouTube. Nobody takes that game seriously. <laughs> I, too, try to take it seriously, but with any sandbox, I think, if you spend enough time in there and you start to kind of see the the, the seams and the cracks, you really want to, like a toddler, explore your world and see <laughs> what reacts with what. Yeah, they open okay. the door and you say, I'm not wearing any pants, and they say, uh, okay, bye, mm. and they slam the door in your face. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite playthrough of that game. Every dinner party you've ever been invited <laughs> Yeah. Well. <laughs> yep. I can get away with. I I've gotten away with some pretty bad stuff in that game. <laughs> haven't we all? Yeah. Haven't we all? Yeah, that's a good one for I that. I like throwing the magic eight ball at people. They don't <laughs> seem to notice. Um. Well, 
I feel like we're winding down a little bit. Uh, we have we have one last example we want to cover, but not until you guys are, are satisfied with what you've uh, said. Do you have any other examples of uh, unique or effective storytelling? I mean, it's it's sort of like the uh, current topic, but I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't put another good word in for Undertale. Oh, I haven't played that yet. Uh, no, tell us about it. Um, so I, um, I was actually working with the, um, with the developer, uh, a while ago. So I was sort of like aware while he was, uh, Toby Fox, while he was, you know, making the game, he's like, oh yeah, you know, Undertale, check it out. And I like, I played the demo, um, just, which was just the prologue of the game. Um, and it's, it's a sort of like very old school, um, RPG, um, the writing is fantastic. It's like beautifully written and, um, you know, it's sort of like, um, you know, sort of like that slightly like surreal edge. Um, but it's a lot of it is like, um, there's this combat system, which is like conversation based almost. And there's, um, like every like monster that you encounter, there are ways, um, you know, you can just like outright attack them or you can do things like, you know, like listen to them or like compliment them or like just all of these different other like conversational verbs. Um, and sometimes they'll be like, oh, I'm actually just really sad and want a friend or something. And then you can like you can like threaten them and scare them off instead of fighting them. Or you can like let them talk about the problems. They're like, oh, I feel better. And like they leave. Um, and there's just this whole, like, sort of bittersweet tension to everything, like the interactions with, like, the, the enemies and the, the, like, NPCs in the game. Um, and this is, like, I, Undertale is probably the one that's actually at the top of my, like, top 20 games I need to play next. Um, so I've, I definitely got to go and play the rest, like, past the demo, but... It just sort of like subverts your expectations in this like really interesting way, um, and hmm. yeah, yeah, it's just like it's something different and and bittersweet and just like really tightly put together. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to playing the rest, and I think that all of its like praise and acclaim is like really well deserved. It like you know sort of recently beat Half Life Two as like highest rated PC game. Wow! On, like Metacritic, which is astonishing. Hmm. It got like ninety eight or something. Jeez! Wow! Uh, so yeah, Undertale, play it. <laughs> so the combat is literally conversations. Yeah, um, and there's and there's this whole like um, use of hearts as like this health meter thing. Um, that, well, from a combination of inarticulateness and, like, terrible memory, if I try to describe it in any more detail, I won't do it justice. Um, but, but yeah, the, and I, I don't know if it's entirely true, but supposedly, like, you know, you can play it completely nonviolently without ever having to actually attack or anything. Oh, um, I always appreciate that. Yeah. But it's, it's, I mean, it's not just about being nonviolent. It's like there's, you can sort of like, you can do violence in conversation too. Words can hurt. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> By the way, I'm looking at a very compelling screenshot of this on Steam right now that's kind of filling my heart with joy. It's this like 
horrible kind of magenta pink CGA kind of a color of uh, the character like standing on a bunch of red things. And the description says, playfully crinking, playfully crinkling through the leaves fills you with determination. That's great. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, just like the writing is is really solid. Just like, you know, the prose is great. And it's like paced really nicely. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. Looking at the screenshot right now. It definitely has an old NES aesthetic to it, sort yeah. of, which is that just tickles my nostalgia bone. It does, especially when they intentionally reduce the palette like that. That's that yeah. gives it kind of an air of style and authenticity. Mm-hmm. Oh, Nito, that sounds like a winner. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out. That sounds very Undertale, good. the RPG game where you don't have to destroy anyone. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's a well Except part. spiritually and mentally. Yeah. Well, emotionally and <laughs> yeah. basically every way but physically. Hmm. Optionally, it sounds like. That's oh, cool. Yeah, and the little combat mini games are kind of fun too. I forgot about those. Oh, such as. Um, just I, just the screenshot reminded me. I forget what it is. There's like this thing about like moving around and like avoiding obstacles or something in like one of the mini games. Like. Yeah, it's just really tight, really nicely put together. Plus, um, soundtrack also awesome. Oh, right on. Well, I'll stick a link to this in the show notes. This sounds like a winner. Okay. Mm. Before we go into our really lengthy one, mm-hmm. I do want to be that lengthy, but yeah. Well, once we start talking about it, well, <laughs> Messenger Quest that I've uh, talked about on a previous podcast is a game I play. All right. I like this as a uh, interesting uh, narrative because, first of all, your uh, the protagonist is the pro- is just resp- is the. Uh, go ahead. Is on- is just a little herald who's responsible for delivering a message to the hero. Oh yeah, this one. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're not the hero. There's no violent combat, and the and if you do actually have to enter into uh, the turn-based combat, it's all it's basically not no. It's all about it's just a battle of wills. You know, cower to avoid the uh, the the angry uh, yelling wrath of this uh, innkeeper, <laughs> mm. and so you basically uh, plead. You basically beg and plead your way to get her to submit to you and uh, talk to you. After you get her to stop being angry. That's neat. It's like adversarial, but not combative. Yeah. What's what's this game again? Messenger Quest. Message, messenger Quest, I think. Hmm. Hmm. I haven't messenger. heard of it. Message, message Quest? We'll, we'll look it up and stick it in the show notes. Yeah. I can't, we can't come up with the name right, right mm-hmm. off the top of our heads. What's really interesting is one of the... And I love that uh, it's, it's easy enough to play, and it's all... The story basically revolves around you're the uh, you're just delivering it I appreciate that um oh, what's what I'm looking for um that you don't you're not actually the hero you're just the person who has to deliver and get the hero to where they're going mm. mm-hmm. but my favorite part of this is to, you're stuck in a tavern and in order to get out you have to solve the, the riddle that the door poses the door yes it comes to light but you know it's <laughs> It's magical. And the door <laughs> tells you that in order to get out, you have to tell a story it never never heard before. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the story that you tell it that gets you out that it's never heard is a story of your life. Mm. Oh, neat. Yeah. And what, do you have control over how it's told or something? Um, you have control. 
you have you have to deter you're the one who determines ultimately how your story is told and you do have a bit of control in a uh, in a bit of an artificially branching dialogue tree okay i enjoy that yeah there are some artificial branching dialogue choices in this game and so you can choose the direction in which your uh, discussion goes but the overall story is linear oh i like i like in uh, world of warcraft where you have to help a bard with his song <laughs> for the wedding song and you can make it either like romantic or heroic or uh, saucy depending on the mm, words that you choose and they're saucy. all they're all different rhymes mm -hmm. i like that too mm. the saucy, saucy one yeah the saucy one i think we'd all pick saucy here Definitely. yeah probably mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. well, i guess this is a good since you brought that up we might as well go into our world of warcraft narrative ones all right, I want to I want to mention one thing from World of Warcraft. This is probably my favorite qu quest in the whole game. I don't suppose either of you are or have been World of Warcraft players. Nope. I I played once with a friend. I played like two days and then two full days. <laughs> yes, two twenty four hours, forty eight hours of World of Warcraft. <laughs> no, I I tried like the trial thing. It was like don't oh, lie to me. I can like tell when you're days. lying. <laughs> Fair Did you enough. Did you horde or alliance? I was a uh, horde. You were a troll. You what? I was a troll hunter. <laughs> you were. What did you say? <laughs> oh, horde. I didn't hear the D. I thought you were. This is role playing. Come on. Yeah, I know. I thought you were proud. And I was like, well, okay, that's cool. But what? You can do that in World of Warcraft? <laughs> yeah, I, I actually um, just briefly on, on like MMOs, like I played Ultima online mm -hmm. and that was like my main MMO experience, um, sort of pre world of Warcraft. Oh yeah. Uh, and I, I really like the, I, I don't really like the modern, like quest based, like, you know, single player, like alone together MMO. It, I liked how, you yeah. know, Ultima online was just sort of, open world and all very like system based and it's just about like random encounters with players and of course you can like go in well not raids but you can just like sort of go and explore dungeons or whatever or you can like hang around in town and play the loot if you want i played a bard <laughs> character and i just like hung out and like player made towns and like you know banged my tambourine and like played <laughs> Like typed out my songs that I'd written to go with like the oh, melody of the tambourine. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and it had like um, you know that the music like based on your music skill, it has like a success or fail state. So the higher your music skill, you know, the more often you'll play a success. So it'll either be like you know a nice like steady rhythm, or it'll just be like random like you know shaking or like random notes or something. So hmm. I, I was I was like a role player, like I I wasn't like going out and, like honing my combat skills. So my my music skill was pretty low; it was like thirty percent or something. But I just keep playing over and over again until I got the melody to play, and then I'd like type out the next line of the song. So just be like, bloom, 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 and then I'd like actually play the song, and I was like, okay, and then like hit enter, so the next line of the song. That's that's how I play MMOs, just just as like the little lead in. But go ahead and talk about World of <laughs> Warcraft now, which is nothing like that. <laughs> oh, that's really neat. We we had some very good stories about uh, Ultima Online in an earlier episode of ours where we were talking about some of the first MMOs. Our old uh, our old uh, host, Chris, uh, was present the day that Lord British was assassinated. So he has a really cool story about that whole debacle. Um, and I've, I've, oh. 
I appreciate games Just like that. Just as met or British. Oh, have you, Richard Garriott? I did actually. He was. Um, I was. I was uh, pr- doing a demo night, like presentation of the game that I'd worked on, uh, Guns of Icarus Online, a like steampunk airship game. Oh, um, I know and that one. He was. He was like in town and was in the audience. And so, like, I'm like, oh, that's Lord British. Wow. And I'm like, Lord British. Like, look, he's got the, the serpent necklace. And, like, it's <laughs> like, Lord British. <laughs> um, and so I, like, had to run up and, like, introduce myself after. And, you know, I, like, got his card and, like, actually invited him, like, to come by the studio. And he did. So, like, you know, a couple days later, he came and visited the studio and, like, we got to show off our game. And he told us about, like, Portalarium and, you know, the, like... It, it wasn't titled then, but like Shroud of the Avatar that they were working on and stuff. We just hung out. Wow. It's fun. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Hey, well, good for you for uh, for uh, working up the, the gumption to go uh, talk to the guy and invite him to see your stuff. That's very cool. Oh, yeah. No, it was uh, like right after I'd given the demo and like everyone was coming up to talk to me like you do to like, you know, speakers after a thing. And I like saw him in the back. They were like, oh, uh, uh, oh that's nice. Thank you for coming. Like, <laughs> I, I, I got, oh, excuse me. Like, oh, I got to go talk to him. No like, pictures, please. I have more important <laughs> pressing matters to, to deal with. Lord British, Lord British, come back. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, he was like out the door, like in the hallway when I caught up to him, like he almost got away. Oh. Oh, well, good for you. That's uh, That shows a lot of initiative. That's really impressive. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> Just think of all the heartbroken fans that you callously pushed away in your quest <laughs> to find Lord British. No, I didn't. I stood around and talked to them all, which oh, okay, is why good. he was almost gone. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then that makes, it, that makes the story nicer. Yes. And actually, I like the idea of like pushing crying children away. <laughs> well, we just want to hear about... Lord Garrett, I ain't got time for you, kid. I gotta talk to Lord British. Your Highness, Your Highness, move away, peasants. For shove. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> yes. Cool. That 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 makes me. Uh, yeah, I, I need to try his his new game. I didn't back it, but I'm I'm curious about it. He he's an incredible like crafter of open worlds and systems. He has more experience with that kind of stuff than probably anybody in the history of the industry. Oh, yeah. No, I, I did back it on Kickstarter because I was like, oh, this is like Ultima Online. Like, this looks great. Yeah, looks looks quite interesting. So I, I backed it on Kickstarter um, for like 100 bucks because I wanted a map because I love maps. Oh, did um, you get the cloth and, map? And yeah, so I've, I've been getting the um, – I've not gotten my map yet. What? Um, but, I mean, the game isn't out yet. They're still no. like in beta. And I'm on the mailing list, and I get, like, all of the... They, they write the longest updates. They write these, like, 30-page mm. long emails <laughs> with, like, all of the updates on everything that's going on. And, like, it's so detailed. It's so huge. Like, I eventually, like, quit playing Ultima Online, um, like, when I was in college. Cause it's like, I'm not going to have time to keep playing. I better <laughs> quit. Um, but... And this this game is immense, and just like reading all of the notes and all of the player stuff, like all the player towns. And today we have new like we've introduced clockwork pets and music boxes, and you know all these new masks and new areas. And now you can build houses, and now you can build farms. And <laughs> it's it's so detailed, and like I I'm waiting for it to like actually come out. Like I don't want to. Like I said, like I don't play stuff when it's in early access or beta because I've got so much else, and it's been in, in like this beta for like two years now, and I just sort of like 
get all of these emails about all the stuff that's going on. And I'm like, man, by the time I get in, like, there's going to be so much history. Like, people have been playing this thing for so long. I'm going to feel like a total, like, lost noob. But That's kind of a curse of the early access stuff, huh? If you play it on day one, you're up against people who are familiar with it for a whole year. Yeah, but, I mean, the other thing is, like, they, they've, like, done several data wipes at this point. But, mm. uh, but I mean, still, like, people are, like, they have a shop. Like, people have been, like, pouring money in and buying, like, houses and plots and items and stuff. So I think a lot of that they keep. But, mm. uh, yeah, so it's, like, it's not even out yet. And it's already, like, this whole world. That's pretty cool. Well, I do appreciate an open-world MMO experience where there may be, like, an overarching lore and story and narrative but so much of the story is created by the community and their participation in crafting the the world and what they build on top of that framework yeah that's always uh interesting and uh, unique it's a rare thing in in these sorts of games yeah so i'm looking forward to it hopefully i'll find the time to play it and not get sucked in so i can't do anything else in my life (laughs) yeah hopefully it won't be released around the same time as the next dragon age game i guess (laughs) Although I'm sure you'd make your choice the other the other way and go for Richard Garriott's game. Yeah, that, that'd be tough. It would be tough. Well, on the opposite side of the spectrum, then, there's the world of Warcraft, which has minimal opportunities to make your impact on the world. But uh, like we mentioned before, that does give the opportunity for like curated storytelling. And so my very favorite short little one-off joke and quest chain in World of Warcraft is it's a quest game – quest quest chain called the day that deathwing came <laughs> that's so a, that's few, a good one. yeah a few expansions ago it was uh something called cataclysm where they uh there's this big uh event that uh, changed the whole like all the old content of the game that was created like seven years prior or so it uh everything got destroyed and had to be rebuilt uh according to the lore of the game and that meant that they could uh get rid of all the gross old graphics and replace them with newer stuff and write new stories for the people that were tired of doing the same content for seven years or so. So it was this big, scary dragon called Deathwing. That, A.K.A. Dumbwing. A.K.A. Dumbwing that uh, flew around and had a great big smelly tantrum and breathed fire on everybody and made everything get all exploded. Yep. And, if you were, and if you were quite unlucky during this expansion, if you were just minding your own business zone and, you, and everything suddenly went dark, you knew that with the next two minutes, you would suddenly just be randomly dead and everything would be on fire. Yeah, that's right. There was a chance while you were playing the game for Deathwing to at random fly over you and just kill everything in sight. Mm-hmm. I, and you get an achievement for it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm dead. Th- yeah, standing in the fire. Stood in the fire. Right. I got it. It was really funny. Is I actually got it on a character in the middle of another quest where I couldn't dismount from the... Because um, I was stuck in one oh, of these... Oh, you were stuck in a bug or something? No, I was stuck on a... Uh, a buggy that I had to go from point A to point B. Oh. And so everything was burning around me. The horses were dead. The NPCs on my wagon were dead. And the dialogue's still going. And I don't die. Oh, their dead bodies get, were talking to you? Yeah. And we get to the point, I step up, and I die. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, well, here's my story, anyway. My, my quest chain. The day the Deathwing came. So this is like, uh, like a grand old uh, fish tale sort of a thing. Um, you uh, walk towards uh, three... Uh, NPCs, a dwarf, a gnome, and an orc. And they're telling you about the the cataclysm, the day the Deathwing came. And they're these tall tales. So the first guy is the dwarf. And he uh, it, the, the format for these is great, because the dwarf starts telling you a story, but then it turns into this interactive quest where you play as that dwarf. And uh, while he's kind of narrating in the background, you're acting out the, the uh, actions. 
So he says, I was just minding my own business when all of a sudden Deathwing appeared. And you see this huge dragon uh, fly across the screen. And the dwarf says, I said to myself, I'm going to punch that dragon in the face. Um, but uh, then the cataclysm knocked loose a whole bunch of angry elementals. And he yells, you dang blasted elementals, I'm going to punch you in the face too. And so there's these like big rock creatures all over the place. And they're called dang blasted elementals. And you're running your guy around and you have to punch them. And you punch them away. And like one punch sends them flying across the screen because it's this embellished story. And you yell all these like uh, action movie one-liners when you punch them. My favorite one, he yells, get punched. <laughs> It's really cheesy. So you punch through all of these <laughs> elementals and then uh, you get to the very end where you see Deathwing just standing there. He's like cowering in fear looking at you and you punch him in the face. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> and then the gnome next to him, you finish that quest. The gnome next to him says, no, 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 you're telling the story all, all wrong. Here's the real story. And he gives you a quest called The Real Story. <laughs> so he says, first of all, it you become the, the, the this little tiny gnome. And he says, first of all, it wasn't sunny out. It was cloudy. And then all these clouds appear out of the sky. Um, and he says, uh, I figured Deathwing is flying around. He must be hiding in the clouds. But uh, I'm just this tiny little dwarf. I can't see the clouds. And it's ridiculous. You can't, ex or sorry, a gnome. You can't expect a little gnome to be able to grow big enough to see the clouds. But luckily, I have my world shrinking device in my pocket. So I'll just shrink the world. <laughs> so you use your world shrinking device like 10 times until you're as tall as a mountain and your head's like sticking in the clouds. And you have to look through all of these clouds. And then he says, oh, actually, Deathwig wasn't in the clouds. But uh, he must have been hiding in the sun. So you look up at the sun and it's this like big clickable ball. So you click the ball, and then you have this little pathetic Deathwing lizard in your in your gigantic <laughs> hand. And you say, I'll throw you to Kalimdor, which is the continent across the ocean. So you, like, throw him away, and he, like, flies off into the into the sunset. <laughs> and uh, then, of course, the orc next to you says, no, 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 that's not, that's not what happened. And then you get called back to reality, and you're playing yourself again. Oh, yeah, and you finish that quest, and the uh, quest termination... Uh, text for that is the end no moral <laughs> that's an awesome way to end your story so finally the the orc he says no 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 that's not what happened here's what really happened and his quest is called what really happened <laughs> so he says on the day the deathwing came blood rained from the sky and then you're playing this orc and blood starts dripping out of the sky it's really awesome and he says uh, in the meantime i was showing my shiny motorcycle to some hot babes <laughs> So you're set, you've got this motorcycle. You're riding on your motorcycle. Yes, there are motorcycles in this fancy game, uh, <laughs> fantasy game. And so there's uh, like these three hot chicks. There's a, a sexy female night elf and a human and an orc and this big beefy male uh, blood elf. And the blood elf race looks like these kind of like pretty Disney princes, sort of <laughs> like these big boisterous, beefy, long haired men. <laughs> so... Uh, you choose one of them to hop into your sidecar. To save them. To save them, that's right. And uh, the, that person thanks you, and the other ones are like, no, I'll always love you. I'm so glad my last moments could be talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> and so you drive off, you drive away in your motorcycle, and uh, it starts raining. The, the narrator says, and then it started, uh, there was a big meteor shower, and so you have to drive your uh, motorcycle through this awesome meteor shower. And uh, he says, it was at that moment I remembered my motorcycle could fly. And all of a sudden, your motorcycle turns into this flying mount where you can drive up into the sky. And it says, uh, it was during this moment when I had a, I shared a tender moment with the sexy babe I rescued. <laughs> <laughs> so it does that. 
And uh, finally, you're flying up, up into the sky, and it says, I flew into the, I flew to the top of the mountain, and it was time for the big final confrontation. You get off your motorcycle, and you're staring at Deathwing face-to-face, and then uh, the dwarf standing, uh, the, the dwarf who told the first story said, it was at that moment that I punched the dragon in the face. And the dwarf comes out of nowhere, ruining your story, and he punches the dragon in the face. And then the... Uh, the gnome that told the second story, this humongous gnome starts walking past in the background. And so uh, the orc says, fine, forget it. You guys ruined it. I'm not telling you the end of my story. And then that's the end of the quest. <laughs> so I, I just love that. It's absolutely brilliant. This whole like fish story, tall tale kind of a thing told as interactive quests. Yeah, that sounds overly complicated, but amazing. Yeah, I like that a lot. <laughs> I've uh, got a like a six minute or so YouTube video of the whole thing. I I probably took me longer to describe it, but it's actually very funny, and it's in the middle. There's a lot of good humor in World of Warcraft, but this was just a really inventive, amusing little story. So I just wanted to share that. It's a whole telling a story while you're in the story kind of a game. Yeah. I thought yeah. I'd bring that up instead of the elations for a change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's pretty cool. That that makes me think of like you know times when you were when you're playing and then it it sort of like gets kind of weird and ridiculous and then it turns out like oh this was all a dream or something and like then you wake up from whatever you know kind of crazy thing was going actually dragon age does a little bit of that oh <laughs> i'm not gonna go into it but uh <laughs> but yeah dragon age 2 is all like you know being told in flashback by one of the characters and like the opening before you actually get to do your character creation is just sort of like the mythical version. I guess in the mythical version, you look like the generic version of the characters before you actually get to create your own. Mm. Um, but it's just sort of like the, you know, ultra powered, like superhero flashback <laughs> to the beginning part of the story. Oh, well, I can think of a game that does that. It was just a dream terribly, which is, Heavy Rain, which introduces the character of Madison through mm. a terrible <laughs> sequence where she showers and, and then gets assaulted by a bunch of guys. And, oh, it was just a dream. And it does nothing to establish her character. Well, that's boring. Yeah, that's really boring. Yeah. I actually have my own. I picked one as well. from, And it's from the same expansion. This is at the end of uh, Silver Pine Forest at the beginning of Hillsbred Foothills. Okay. It's... um. It plays. It makes fun of the three major stereotypical types of players in the uh, game world. Right, it's, like the yeah, it makes fun of the players themselves who subscribe yeah. to the game and keep mm-hmm. them in business. It's yeah. called the Welcome <laughs> the Machine. This quest and essentially, I like that. Me I too. like making fun of your players. Yeah, yeah it's um, it, it's it, called what? Welcome to the Machine. Yeah, so that's their ult- allegory for their own game. Yeah, that's awesome. And you ultimately become the quest giver. Yeah, right. The NPCs come to you and you have to give them quests. Yeah, you get the th- and you meet the three uh, archetypes. Oh, yeah, which are? Uh, Noobie McNoob, <laughs> whose name that is given to him a dumbass. Um, <laughs> basically, he's just really happy and is just thrilled to be there. And he's like, I want a quest. You got a quest for me? You got a quest? Hi, hi. Can I get some help? You well, wasn't, he, wasn't he like an archer with a sword or something, too? No, yeah, he was something like that. He had like all the wrong gear and everything, but. Yeah. He was not then just happy to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. The next one is uh, is the uh, represent the trope of the overgeared high level player who's gone back to uh, do all the the uh, lowy content. He goes by the lovely name of Kingslayer Orcus. Comes in on his uh, undead mount and demands that you give him a quest worthy of his attention. 
Oh, right, and he, like, refuses the quest you give him because it's not manly enough or something? No, he uh, he accepts he your quest. He accepts your quest. Okay. And then the final one is, uh, comes, you uh, get a blood elf, Johnny Awesome, and his <laughs> sparkle pony, and this dude <laughs> decked out in heirlooms. <laughs> Oh, that's and right. He is comes, he supposed to be like the character that uh, that like paid his way to the top or something? Yeah, he's he's still like appropriate level, but he's in all heirlooms, and he demands that uh, he that and he doesn't want to just collect bare asses that is all beneath him, and so he wants to, mm-hmm. and so he wants you to give him a more challenging task. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, after you send him all the way and you go to, and you finish this quest, it actually follows up with. Uh, you actually follow up and meet with all these three characters again, and you do the more, some, and you expand on their story. So, uh, dumbass, you ultimately wind up having to save Johnny. Awesome, although his pony dies, and you have to listen to him weep like a little friggin' girl. Be- I don't know what. Of course, they had to make him a blood elf. You. Uh, oh, that was funny too, because at the time, the pony that he's riding was only available for twenty five real dollars from yeah. Blizzard, so that's why he's crying about it, I guess. <laughs> his pony was dead, but then you two team up and you help and you help him kill the uh, evil dude who's making all these zombies come out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And then finally, you help. Um, and then finally, you find Kingslayer Orcus, and uh, when you encounter him, he's drowning in shallow water. <laughs> <laughs> and then you help him, and you're like, he's like, oh, I discovered this uh, Alliance Fortress here, and there's all these high level guys, but he just smashes right through them, mm-hmm. and you're. And you you don't have to worry about dying on this one. And then you get to the end, and he's like, "Get my dragon and just leave, leave me. Don't worry about me. Just tell them and get back to Torrid Mills." Oh, he's all heroic. Yeah, and so the dragon comes back and picks up the and picks up Orcus, despite the fact that he's dying. You come back oh, and you yeah. get say, uh, "Heroes welcome," and they said, "We will make sure that he he gets a uh, worthy death." And, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm, he gets he died honorably, and he will receive full honors. Oh, and so cool. all three of them actually get their stories concluded after you initially give them their quest. That's cool. I just love the idea of being a player in World of Warcraft and having to administer quests mm-hmm. to the NPCs. That's really cool. And how cool of a game would that be if you were the quest giver? That would be a fun take on storytelling as well. Hmm. Oh, well, I think that's enough wow from us, isn't it? Yeah. I think we bored people. <laughs> we have our we weekly get, quota. Yeah, unless we get, uh, who was it that was, who likes it? It was Darth. Oh, yeah. Mr. We... Mr. Whoever. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Darth. Hi, Darth. Sorry for not well Oh, yeah, played. Mr. Collateral <laughs> Damage. <laughs> Well, I think we've come to just about the end of our discussion, but do you guys have any uh, parting thoughts about storytelling in games? And any plugging to do? Of course. Uh, well, storytelling in games is good. You should do it. <laughs> tell a story. It's otherwise, cool. you don't know why you're doing that thing. I'll right. tell you a story. Once tell a upon a time, there was a blue bird, and the blue bird helped people get their messages across about all sorts of things. He would tweet all day and say, look, these are the things that you need to learn about, including games like Shardlight, the next game for Why Did I Game. And if you want to know more about Shardlight, said the bird, you should follow at Grundislav Games. That's G-R-U-N-D-I-S-L-A-V Games. That was the worst thing ever. I'm, such, I'm not very that good at That was an interesting plug. That's a new one. Yeah, I feel dirty. And the moral of the story is watch. There's no moral. Wash, <laughs> wash well because you, you you'll be a stinky hype machine. <laughs> I don't know. All right, I'm sleepy. I still feel dirty. Uh, didn't you get up more recently than us? 
Yeah, I've been up at 8 o'clock this morning. He's been eating tofu, though, which saps your soul, right? No, no actually, I got up at 7.30 this morning to go do yoga at 8 o'clock. Oh, there's a 7.30 in the morning now? Yeah, there um, is. You're up at like 6 o'clock to ride your little uh, stationary I'm, bike. I'm, I'm, I'm giving the facade of empathy. <laughs> oh. Give me that much. Also, also, there's a podcast that you should listen to. Indeed. Blue the Blue Cups. Cup Tools podcast. Yes. Is this where you take a cup and strangle it until it turns blue? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. Yeah, sure. sure. At BCT underscore podcast. Yes. And uh, we should hopefully be back with a new episode next week. Because we've got a lot of catching up to do. Mm. Outstanding. Uh-huh. Well, I don't I- have anything specific to plug right now. But um, when I when I finish my co-op cave adventure homage you should check that out you should plug you your can. your other games in the misanthropy series um yeah but they're not available yet i need to freshen them up but i'll probably make them available around the same time but you can follow me on twitter at uh jess underscore haskins um just askins for trouble <laughs> yeah it's bad Ooh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was an explosion. Whoa. You're having some All we heard was... Oh. Well, that's okay. We, we've got you. I'm sorry. I made a joke and I laughed. Oh, and there's an echo. All right. It, whoa. I think the, the cosmos are conspiring against us to uh, end this yakathon. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll end it two minutes early, so... Yeah, this is the first time for everything. So, so oh gosh, have we lost you guys entirely? Boing. I think I heard the disconnect sound, but they're still there. Okay, um, maybe I should just uh, give our our listeners the contact information. Yeah, I think New York City has died. Yeah, and that's another yeah another hurricane probably hit it. <laughs> it's offline. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I will assume that they've said goodbye if they come back. And um, if you would like to reach us, um, if you'd like to get in touch with us here to uh, leave us your thoughts, comments, whether in the form of a voicemail or a prolific email, you can reach <laughs> us on the web at squarefm.demodulated.com. No. Say it again. Squarefm.demodulated.com. It's an email address. I was reading the web. Oh, web? Sorry. I'm uh, a jerk. Yeah, learn. Well, you can't submit things to the web. You can get us on the web. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) You can email us, and then is uh, squarefm at demodulated.com. Oh my gosh, you like stabbed me with an at with an ampersand. No, not it's not an ampersand. What do you call the at symbol? I don't know. Why don't you look it up? And you can find us on Twitter at squarewavesfm. Let's see. Sign is. In Israel, the at symbol is often referred to as strudel. Sounds delicious and desserty. Computer books often refer to it as the at sign. Oh, strudel is an amazing name. Okay. Oh, in Dutch, it is called. How do you say it, Dutch girl? Apstart. Apstart, which means monkey's tail. My goodness, that's fantastic. Well, yeah. In English, the symbol is boringly known as commercial at. Okay, I'm calling it the strudel. End of story. <laughs> okay, so give us your thoughts, comments, and maybe, you know, write us a couple of emails. 
We haven't had enough emails. We like emails. Yeah, thank you very much again, uh, Father Beast, for your email. We appreciate it so much. Yep. So, and as a reminder, we have two more podcasts after this before the uh, end of this year's uh, season. So, it'll be a chance for you to catch up by the time we make our when so when we start our next season next year in 2016. So, get any thoughts, comments together and uh, hopefully we can uh, get some more letters from you guys by then hope so and big big thanks very very much to francisco gonzalez and jess hatskins for uh joining us all the way from the uh terrible third world country of brooklyn where they don't have a decent internet connection well yeah they're probably on verizon or uh comcast oh, i guess so Com okay comcast. so we love you guys and uh we're glad Franny and Jesse could join us. Yeah, thanks a million. We love you all like crazy. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, have a real good week. We'll talk to you this time next week. Bye-bye. Beep. Beep. Meeting record. We'd love to hear you say your own goodbyes. All right. Uh, so Bye. what was that Twitter of yours again? <laughs> Well, last time I said it crashed the computer, but uh, if you really want to braid it, uh, <laughs> at Jess underscore Haskins, H-A-S-K-I-N-S. That's me, because somebody else already got the without the underscore. Oh. But, but I was saying I got I got a leg up on all the other Jess Haskins out there, because I got the domain names and the Gmail account and stuff, so they, they can have the Twitter account, mm. whatever. I don't need it. Can't win them all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, thanks for having us on. Oh, thank you so much for coming. It was a it was a really uh, enjoyable intellectual conversation, but we won't hold that against you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming, guys. It was a great I'm conversation. Sure, I'm sure the tone is a little different in the podcast, and he's on and I'm not around. But that's, <laughs> I, that's supposed to me. <laughs> this, this was all that and more. We'd love to have you guys back anytime at all. You're most welcome. Yes, yes. Yeah. this was a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. All right. Glad to that hear it. Of just flew by. Yes. And, don't, <laughs> and uh, don't, uh, Kimmy just said thank you as well. Okay. Don't, don't stay up all night with the blinding light of the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll do our best. <laughs> oh, geez. Let's let's turn our lamp off and have this thing illuminate the room in the sickening glow of uh, douchey rainbows, shall we? It'll be a nice, it'll be a sexy party. Oh, sexy keyboard party. Yes. As if there was well, some other kind. Have fun with that, you guys. <laughs> okay, you guys Bye. enjoy your, your sexy party of uh, blue screens and uh, <laughs> and uh, a thousand doors. Yes. Thank you. All right. All right. Take her easy, guys. Great to talk to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Bye. Click on help. Call someone else. Or figure out how to freaking Google it yourself. Click on help. Call someone else. Or figure out how to freaking Google it yourself. Click on help. Call someone else, or figure out how to freaking Google it yourself. Click on help. Call someone else, or figure out how to freaking Google it yourself. I'm not your damn personal IT guy. I get no peace, but at least now I see why you ask me about computers. Apparently, I'm the only person who knows how to turn the damn things on. Oh, look, you can't configure your outlook again. Well, maybe you should write the settings down, my friend. But that might require a little effort from you. And Mr. Big Shot is more important things to do. It's fine if I have to explain it one time. But we're in number 29 and I'm losing my mind. So I'll just drop everything. Deadlines be damned. And explain again, although I know you'll never understand. Close all of those windows. Let's begin. Click on this. Click on that. I put your password in. See, you don't need to be a total whiz.
No, I don't know what your password is. Click on help. Call someone else. Or figure out how to freaking Google it yourself. Click on help. Call someone else. Or figure out how to freaking Google it yourself. Click on help. Call someone else. Or figure out how to freaking Google it yourself. Click on help. Call someone else. Or figure out how to freaking Google it yourself. Why are your problems automatically mine? No, it's fine. I'm nothing better to do with my time, but it's not like I ask you every day for help. When I make a doobie and I can't wipe myself. So what were you trying to do when the error appeared? Then I curse cause it's even worse than I feared. I see your PC is an ancient jalopy and you're trying to copy a DVD into a floppy. First of all, where'd you even get a floppy disk? Cause really, I didn't think those things still exist. Secondly, I don't want to be a spoiled sport, but that's an ethernet cable. That's a USB port. If you buy something new and don't know how to hook it up, it doesn't make you less of a man to look it up. You claim you're not an idiot, well prove me wrong and stop giving me more material for this song. Click on help. Call someone else. Or figure out how to freaking Google it yourself. Click on help. Call someone else. Or figure out how to freaking Google it yourself. Click on help. Call someone else. Or figure out how to freaking Google it yourself. Click on help. Call someone else. Or figure out how to freaking Google it yourself. Hey, Tom, I was wondering if you could help me out. Uh, I picked up a PC on eBay and got a great deal. It's a Pentium II with 16 MB of RAM, whatever that is, and it's running at 120 MHz. Is that fast? And I want to see about installing Windows 7 on it. Can you help me out with that? Anyway, I got a really great deal on it. <laughs> so I bought some songs from the Windows Media Store, and I can't get them onto my iPhone. I was wondering if you could help me with that. Also, I'm working with some pictures I took. I downloaded Photoshop from this website I found, and I can't find the red-eye reduction button. <laughs> Do you know where it is? Oh, and while I was on that website, I got an alert that my PC was infected with a virus. So I clicked on it, and I downloaded a bunch of software. <laughs> so I should be protected now, but my PC seems to be running awfully slow all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, now you're wondering if you give me a hand with that. Give me a call when you get this, okay? Thanks, Tom. I most certainly will not. It happens every day and I can't get away Cause they follow me around like a dog who wants to play I know when my phone rings my day will be wrecked When my boss says, Tom, can I see you for a sec? The second rapidly becomes an hour and a half I would laugh, but I'm not part of the IT staff So I don't know what I'm doing I just click around and curse and pray to various gods And I don't make the problem worse Funny how a step before this day was gonna drag Now I'm working quick cause this cologne is making me gag He says I have to fix it and I can't wait till later And somehow it's my fault he never backs up his data there's still a couple perks that are making me berserker. Damn it, Jim, I'm a Mac, not a miracle worker. And when I finally fixed every problem I ever had, my uncle calls asking about his son's leak pad. Click on help. Call someone else. Or figure out how to freaking Google it yourself. Click on help. Call someone else. Or figure out how to freaking Google it yourself. Click on help. Call someone else. Or figure out how to freaking Google it yourself. Click on help. Call someone else. Or figure out how to freaking Google it yourself.